Hello, legends, and welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club, connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today I'm catching up with Lachlan Rouston and Raf Friedman, two super cool, young, successful Cub members that own three gyms. Uh, their gyms are incredible and they found a niche in the market, which you'll hear about in the podcast. They also happen to own the number one fitness podcast in the country. And they shared all the lessons and experiences they've had in building a successful podcast. <laughs> Actually helped me out a lot with this one. They talked about health, nutrition, sleep. They gave me some excellent sleep tips, which evidently were very needed, as I'm sure many of you need to. It was a super cool episode, so enjoy the show. And we're live. I'm here today with two of the country's greatest podcasters. Boys, what's happening? Welcome to the show. I like that title. Self-proclaimed. We just <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you are. Yeah. You've got the number one health podcast. Fitness podcast. Fitness podcast, sorry. In the entire country. Yes. That That's is correct. A big deal. It's been six years in the making, so it uh it's gone fast, but it's also gone slow. I mean, it's taken us four countries and 15 cities at this point to get to number one. Yeah, and close to a 1,000 hours. Yeah, it's a and lot. What do you mean by four countries? The podcast is in, it airs in four countries? No, it airs in 103 countries, but it we've traveled for the podcast. So part of growing the podcast in the early days, we just jump right into it, was we had to travel to other countries and meet people face-to-face to build the network in yeah. person. So yeah. we're living out of suitcases and shitty hotels. We've got all kinds of stories about that, but we were like on tour. Like podcasting on tour. What? Yeah, and that's how we grew the show in the early days. Oh, we're going to get into that. But first, we want to make sure everyone knows whose voice is who. Lockie, why don't you just say hey so everyone knows hey, you? Hey, Lockie Ralston. This Lockie, is me. Ra- Lockie Ralston. Uh, and Raf Friedman. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I say a bit more than that. Come on, you're a professional podcaster. Well, hopefully we voice. sound different because we do get complaints on our show that we sound the same. When we started, people could not tell the difference between us. But yeah. over time, I think we've... We've spent less time together, which I think probably helped. And now we've got more of our own voice. You know what? Actually, now that you mentioned that, if I wasn't looking at you, I'd probably be confused. Yeah. So we still need, still, still got work to do. So one of you needs like an, like a, a, a show personality. You know, you're too honest. <laughs> one of us should just pick up smoking. <laughs> Take it from <laughs> yeah, you. Pick up smoking. Take it from me. Honestly, it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> fuck up the voice. <laughs> and that's how I got my voice to this. What, smoking? smoking? Alcoholism. Oh, yeah. yeah. Still going. We'll talk about that later. We will. We will. And in, 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 because this is, I guess, a health show today, it is a, a business health podcast. Like I said to you guys, I want to pick apart the gym industry, the fit industry, the, 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 the business of health, yep. really. And, and obviously, there's something you guys are heavily in with. You've got three gyms at the moment. Is that correct? You're opening the fourth? or mm, We had three, sold one, started this year. So, yep. yeah. So, two, opening the third. Opening the third. Again. So I really want to discuss the whole the whole gym thing. I want to discuss the whole podcast thing. I want to discuss – I want to make sure that the members and listeners have some incredible health tips that they can walk away with today as well. Um, I know you guys have taught me and Team Cub uh, a, a shit ton of stuff and we're going to talk about that. But before we do that, why don't we kind of share a bit more about about the two of you um, uh, where you're from and kind of how you got to uh, – how you got to this position. Uh, who, who wants to go first? I'll rip in. Where we're from, we're both Aussie, yeah. Um, but we have very different backgrounds, so it's, it's a serious mix in there. Um, I guess my background is I'm Jewish. My mom is from Grenada in the West Indies, 
Uh, and that's where he gets the African booty. Yeah, that's where I get the. the ah, I was wondering where you got that from. Big lower body. <laughs> you got it from your mama. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I did. I got it from, got it from my mama. <laughs> and I, I think probably the only commonality we really had growing up was we're both very into sport and fitness. So we mm-hmm. didn't know each other, but both were very into sports growing up. And we had totally different paths. So I was just going into like business and law. I was doing a law degree at New South Wales, had no plans of getting into fitness. I did love fitness and I did love sport and I did think about how I would like love to have a gym one day potentially, but it's probably not the path I'm, I'm going to go down. Um, but, you know, I did like seek out good gyms around the world and stuff like that, but it still wasn't really on my radar. And then all of a sudden we just started training at the same gym and somehow before you knew it, we were like making plans to open a gym. Which gym was that? Uh, we were training at CrossFit Active in North Sydney. You both, you two together. Yeah. And that's how you met? Yeah. Yeah. So you we met, met through a mutual friend. Yeah, we met at the gym. I met a mutual friend who was a third business partner who he bought out last year. And so you were um, doing the law thing. Law I was doing degree. the law thing. And then I just started training on the side to do my law thing when I was finishing up playing rugby, just like looking for the next thing. And then, yeah, the mutual friend invited me to that gym. Lockie was the intern at the gym. <laughs> I, was, I was. You literally went from intern to Owning it. fitness entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was crazy because there's so many lessons I learned as an intern that helped us tremendously when we opened the gym. I didn't honestly really didn't really progress out of the intern phase, but I think it was enough of a, I had enough bad experiences with that gym to know what to do in my next gym. Mm-hmm. Still made a lot of mistakes, obviously, but I think I'm, I definitely skipped some critical ones because the gym, I mean, we'll get into this, but yeah, the early days of CrossFit gyms, they weren't run like proper businesses. Like it was just a bit of a, it was like a clubhouse, right? It's just a, not like a business clubhouse, but it was yeah. like a. It was like, hey, everyone, everyone, come here, everyone train, like pay if you remember to pay, maybe check or cash on the side and whatever. And so like, but so so tell us a story of how you got to the point where you met Raf then. Right. So yeah. So similar sort of thing. I just he grew up in the east. I grew up in the North Shore. I was obsessed with sport when I was younger. I played every sport under the sun. It's pretty much no sport I hadn't haven't played. Sometimes it gets to the, the point where people actually ask that question. Well, you're probably one of the best physical specimens that I've seen. In Cub. Uh, yeah, definitely <laughs> in Cub. I wouldn't say the world, yeah, but yeah. he's only seen 10 people. So. Within Cub, without a doubt. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, was, uh, so I moved into study straight out of school. I started PT straight out of school as well, but I was studying full-time. I was doing digital media actually. So I was like really into art. Um, that was like my main thing. That was the career I wanted to do. So I was doing digital media, but then my passion for f- training and fitness became so obsessive that I basically decided to go change my degree to exercise physiology. So two years into that, I actually opened my first gym and then straight away I knew everything that I'm learning here, I'm no longer interested in, in, in pursuing because I guess when you're young and you make a huge decision on what career you want to do when you're older, which is absolutely silly, right? Who can actually decide at 17, 18 what they want to do for the rest of their life and cop $25,000, $40,000, you know, as a mistake? I swapped to exercise physiology, but yeah, like the path that it went down, they don't really tell you what it's like in terms of a career. Only later when you're three years in, they go, all right, well, most of you are going to end up in aged care. Like aged care? That's not what I want to do. I'm training people at a gym. I've got my own business. I'm like, I don't want to do this. So took me another like three years of deferring and part-time and failing to build up the courage to tell my mom that I was going to drop out of uni. But at this point I had stabbed, we had our first gym, maybe even our second gym at that point. You jumped steps. So you guys met at the gym. Right. You're the intern. You're the law student. Yeah. And then really what we bonded over. So I guess it was two things. One, 
is we we're both super skinny, super lightweight yeah. growing up. Like he was tall and skinny, I was short and skinny. So we had that in common. And then we were both starting to do CrossFit training. And we're both, I think, you know, just getting into it. So kind of underdogs coming mm. up. Uh, so we just trained every single day together. That was it. Mm. Most days, twice a day. And how did the conversation come up where, hey, we could do this ourselves? We could do our – because obviously it was a CrossFit gym you're part of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you said, oh, I think we can run this better. Is that what happened? And we talked about it on the first day. Mm. Did you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. First day we met. Yeah. We were like, oh, we should, we should open our own. Yeah. It was an entrepreneurial space. Like lots of people in CrossFit because it was so – cheap to open up a gym and there was so much demand for the service. Like people would just, you almost have to shut the door to train to stop people walking in trying to join the gym. Mm. Like that's how annoying it was people because it was just so popular at the time. So the idea of like going and starting my own gym was like not a rare idea. You know, like a lot of members were like, I would love to start my own gym. This is amazing. And, and you're saying that in the CrossFit gym space, because the barrier to entrance is so low in that the cost, the setup cost is so low because you don't have to buy all the uh, exercise equipment, CrossFit. Yeah. You uh, get a box. You do, you do yeah, a jump, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do a yeah. somersault. Yeah, <laughs> don't fall. Yeah, no, I, yeah, exactly. It's 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 a low barrier to entry, and pretty much everything at this point, every person that opened a gym because it was so popular, even if they, you know, made all the basic business mistakes one on one, even if they didn't, you know, even if they took check and cash, like they were still making so much money because it was so popular, so that you couldn't lose. So every story you heard, it was like, I'm absolutely killing it. I've got so many members, I have to turn them away. Um, I've got so much money, I don't know what to do with it. And so every person heard that and they're like, all right, we need to open our own gym ASAP. We need to ride this wave. Uh, and that's the point we got to. So we opened our gym and then literally the day we opened it, January 2014? Yeah, February 2014. February, February 2014. Uh, the day we opened it was the exact day that on Google in, a, in the world. Yeah, Google Trends in Australia. Google Trends in Australia. For the first time since it had started, CrossFit started trending down. So we opened after the peak. Yeah. The first day after the peak. So good timing, bad timing, hindsight, I think it was a good, a good thing because when things are just going well, you credit the wrong things for your success. And so you double down on things that ultimately could hurt your business long-term. And that's what we saw a lot of gym owners do that were doing really well in the peak years from like 2000 and sort of 10 to 2014 is they just, everything they did, every decision they made, they were making more money. So they, they couldn't identify what was good and what was bad. Uh, but because everything that we did, things were starting to trend down, we're making less money. We're like, all right, well, we can't do that. We can't do this. That's a mistake. That This is a mistake. And we actually ended up building a better business than most CrossFit gyms that had already been around for five years, just because it just wasn't easy for us. It was just hard from day one. Well, I mean, I've been saying it in a lot of the episodes recently that Cubs gotten a lot stronger this year actually far stronger this year, more progress this year than it did any other year. And the reason was it was it was a harder environment to succeed this year. Yeah. Therefore, we had to focus, work harder and improve on, on a whole range of factors from efficiency to the actual product and service we're providing to the sales systems, to the business model and costs that we, that, that we were taking. Yeah. yeah. We got better. And, and I fully agree. Businesses in the upswing – if you've only experienced an upswing, in fact, I would argue that you're at a disadvantage because you have not yet um, streamlined your your business. You haven't been forced to do it in the in 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 a crash. Yeah. And when you go through a crash, you're much better off for the next upswing because you're gonna ride ride that economic wave back up with a much stronger business. And that's what everyone needs to be remembering right now. That's as long as you don't die and give up in this time. Yeah. Um. Um, you, you, you're actually better off, even if it has set you back. Hey, sometimes in life you go forwards 10 steps, you go back four. Yeah. 
you're all five. Or even if you go back nine, you still fall as one. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So some people just took a few steps back, but they're, they're going to take that next that next steps forward. Again, it could be twenty. Yeah. And it's going to be because of the lessons they they learn there. So I, I fully agree with that. And and obviously, Jim's got uh, smashed in in COVID as well. Yeah. How did you, how do you how did the industry handle that? How did you guys handle that? Well, it was really different depending on the gym. So you got to remember, like all the old gyms and what we broke into was. I guess the reason gyms have a you know average rep, rep, uh, reputation is because most people turn up once every six weeks to their gym. Mm. So, you know, most people buy a gym membership, don't use it, and those gyms in particular just got hammered. Because if you have a gym membership, you never go. COVID hits, amazing. You know, I didn't want to pay for that gym membership anyway. I never go, and it's very. They have no loyalty to the gym. It was a reminder to cancel. Yes. Yeah. It was like mm. yeah. A reminder, I just waste my money on that thing and I've got an excuse to get out of my contract. Like yeah. they're gone. And they have no loyalty to the business. Yeah. Mm. Often they don't even like the business. They're like, oh, they kind of, you know, I feel bad when I think about that business because I think about the fact that I haven't stuck to my goals. Mm. So I think for, for those bigger gyms that thrive on thousands of members and people that never go, it was, yeah, crushing and it still is crushing. I don't think they're even nearly out of it. And then the gyms that did the best were basically gyms that charged more, had smaller communities and had really good relationships with the clients. You know, if you had a small community, they love the trainers. They paid a lot more money. They actually use their gym membership. They keep want to, they want to stay fit. Mm. So a lot of those gyms like ours didn't do too bad during COVID because the demand was still there. You still wanted to train at home. And also on the pandemic front, there's less people going through the gym, therefore less chance to get COVID. Yeah, so yeah, on the way out as well. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it works in that as well. And and explain to us uh, your gym model and your gym business because I want to talk about gyms as a whole and the business model. And, yeah, and. Um, pros and cons and all that type and the future of it. But you guys fit into a really cool niche and, and I love your niche actually. And so why don't you share a, a bit about your gyms? Yeah, so right before I do that, I'll just speak to the the business model Raf just mentioned, like the fitness first, the crunches, just because I think it's the model most, most people are familiar with and it's a business show. So I think you want to understand it from a sort of business aspect. So I can't remember what the year was. I think it was maybe like 2000, 2001, I think it was the inception of Crunch Fitness or one of those brands. Basically, before they decided to open their business model, they saw the rise of this big box 24-7 model doing really well. Uh, and so they started surveying and experimenting with a price point that they could get people to pay but not come to the gym. So that's literally what- And this, not cancel. And not, yeah, exactly, right? So what is the, the maximum amount of money that we can charge people so that they don't come to the gym? Because members coming to the gym means- more admin work, more equipment turnover, lines for machines, um, more mess. You physically can't fit. Yeah, less, the, the price point doesn't activity. make sense. If mm. everyone used their gym membership, it couldn't be $20 doesn't a work. month. Mm. Not yes. a thing. So they work off a 1% to 5% attendance rate. We work off at 85 to 90% attendance rate. So that's how different our models are by contrast. So essentially our model is, and it actually changed this year. So one of the silver linings of the pandemic was that we chose a more uh, efficient, effective and profitable business model and something that, Honestly, we felt like we were heading in this direction for a while. We didn't, we just didn't have a way to express it yet in a business model form. But from a philosophical perspective, how we felt about exercise and people and service, we had changed our mind, I would say probably a year, maybe two years before we'd actually changed the model. But business partners and, you know, it's hard to find a reason to change a business model so dramatically like we did this year uh, without some kind of event that shakes everything up. Like imagine just sending out an email like, all right, guys, the gym's completely changed now. Like see you on Monday. The, the pandemic was a perfect excuse to do that. Everyone's out of the gym. Everyone's at home. They understand why we're resetting it. We can use the government as an excuse. We can use new health guidelines as an excuse. 
So the model that we came up with, we just called it, so it's Creature Fitness, we called it Creature 2.0. The gym's still called Creature Fitness, but the model's 2.0. Essentially, we changed it from uh, what is typically known as group fitness, which is 15 to 40 people. If you've done an F45 or an Orange Siri or even just a class in like a fitness first, that's like group fitness. We changed it to semi-private. So there's personal training, which people are familiar with, one-on-one. Uh, semi-private falls between group fitness and PT. So that means we have sessions from basically two to six people. Uh, the benefit of that, obviously, just straight off the bat, uh, you get way more coaching time. Um, the second part of that, which is obviously really good as well, is from a hygiene perspective. It's like, we'll come into this, we'll unknown how tight the regulations would be and like how scared people would be of COVID. Would they come in and would they freak out? Would they have masks on? Would they want, not want to go near people? So from like a space perspective, it meant everyone could use their own equipment. So we really like that. That's, that seems to matter a, a bit less now. People aren't as worried about it. Obviously, just things went well in New South Wales, just pure luck. Um, but definitely from a coaching perspective, a value perspective, there was just way more time with the client so we could help them a lot more. When there's 15, 20 people in a class, anyone that's experienced this, there's not a lot of coaching. It's sort of just like people management. It's like managing a crowd. Yeah, you right? stand over there. Yeah, stand yeah, over yeah. There. Or watch out for that person or yeah. get the gear. And like half the time is spent getting gear in and out because so much, so much gear is moving around mm. in the gym. So we got rid of all those headaches. Uh, and then where we kind of put the icing on the cake to make the business model completely unique uh, was we changed the, so the session, first half of the session in most group fitness is always some kind of uh, group strength piece. So for example, it might be like a deadlift. And so everyone today is doing deadlifts for their strength piece. But what if we had all the issues? What if I've got a sore back? What if I'm injured? What if I deadlifted yesterday? Um, you know, what if I don't know what a deadlift is? We realized that everyone coming into the gym, different body types, different injury history, um, different goals, but we're giving them the one prescription. I think you call it in law. It's like if you've got all these different legal issues, but you prescribe the one solution, yeah. it's malpractice. Yeah. That's kind it's of like what the fitness industry yeah, is doing, yeah. negligence, right? So we thought, okay, we need to individualize this strength portion. If Dan wants to work on like pull-ups and chest and upper body, and I give him squats, it's kind of not what he asked for. So he comes in, tells me he's got his upper body goals. I give him a lower body prescription it's doing him a huge disservice. Like it didn't sit well with us. And that's what group fitness was doing. So we individualized the first part of the session, which meant everyone gets their own coach. Their coach is like a PT. Everyone is writing the individual prescription for what that person wants in the first session. But in the second half of the session, we didn't want to lose what is amazing about group fitness. And that is doing some hard shit together, right? It's going through some stuff, some level of the suffering. Teamwork almost, exactly. the bonding, the relationship. Yeah. Maybe some days too much suffering. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that because <laughs> Team Cub does a team training with- uh, They are tough as shit. Yeah. Team, Cub, is team tough. Cub, we don't fuck around. No, we no, love no. pain. We yeah. live in it. We thrive. You're crazy. You, you're particularly crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this guy gets up at the end of the workouts and starts giving speeches to his team. <laughs> As they're lying on the floor doing sweat angels. But no, so that's what we did. So we had individualized and then we have the group session together. So you get the best of both worlds. You get the best of PT, which is that individualization, that attention, something built for you. And then you get the camaraderie of doing it with other people, working out together, high fives at the end, sweat angels, all that stuff. And it's more actually cost effective. Exactly. Um, because you you really are getting, you're actually, in my opinion, you're getting a better experience than a one-on-one PT because there's still like it's a bit of fun. There's people yeah. there, but you're still getting your PT. Yeah. Um, and the PT like half the time when you're with a PT, they're probably on their phone half the time <laughs> when you're sitting there because you know they're bored. Like, we're resting. Yeah. They, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You know, there's yeah. there's things happening. So it, it's actually better because it's more cost effective, and you're really getting 
is it unlimited sessions a week or how many sessions? Just based off how many you want to do, two, three, four, five. Yeah, we yeah. found that our data, no one does more than five. Of course week. not. Yeah. You'd be crazy. Yeah. Especially your guys' sessions. Yeah. yeah. So so your model is different in that it's not the mass model, everyone come to the gym, and it's not the one-on-one model. And really that's all people think about. Like if I'm to think about the fitness space, in my head I'd think, okay, I'm either going to join – or sorry, there is the franchise CrossFit model, yeah. Yeah. which is yeah. also that, that, that's quite common. That's, that's the group sessions. What yeah. you're saying, yeah. But that's the new one. That was the one that you were saying was having a peak. Before that, it was the mass fitness and the one on one. Exactly. Yes. Then the group model came through, and you're saying that came through actually because someone figured out could it probably was F45 or someone like that. But someone figured out that hold on a minute, this this model has a very low. Uh, 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 cost of entrance. Yes. We can set up a CrossFit gym for very much cheaper than another gym. Mm. This is brilliant. And we can train X amount of people X amount of times a day and it works out. It's profitable. And, th- and then it's probably also really easy to sell franchises for too because the franchisees only need small spaces and the mm. franchise cost may- might not be that much because the space is so small. And, mm. and obviously F45 went out there and built a huge brand and, and executed really flawlessly as far as their business goes. Yeah. No, but what was even better was that, yeah, you could open something much smaller, much cheaper, but then you could charge four to five times as much. More, yes. So they were charging, you know, $20 a week. They opened a gym for like yeah, a tenth of the price or less, but the environment was different, so they charged four times the rest. Yeah, that's right. You're paying more to go to yeah, an yeah. F45 yeah, 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 than yeah. a normal gym. Yeah. And you get less Yeah. in theory. Yeah. For the gym as a business owner, I'm, I'm outlaying less. Yeah. So, and that kind of... You know, that's in most industries. Most industries have a whole. There's a different way to do things. Mm-hmm. And and someone just caught on. It, it normally even starts as one single business owner operating a space like that. And someone comes across that space and sees it and it's like, oh, my God. It, kind of like when the McDonald's guy yeah, saw yeah. the McDonald's, if yeah. you watch that movie. And yeah, he's yeah. like, holy shit, this Great needs movie. to be, yeah, this needs to be everywhere. It's kind of the same concept. And and so you guys jumped in on that wave. Mm. And then as you perfected the model, you actually realized, wait a second, there's another wave. Yeah. And that wave is the semi-private classes. It's, yes. Is that what you call it? Semi-private? Semi-private, yeah. Semi-private. It is basically group PT but individual at the same time. Yeah. It means lower cost PT, better experience for the client, and you still get also that camaraderie and that energy from, from other people from part of the session. Yeah, yeah. I should say there's – there is semi-private existed. Like we didn't just make up the term semi-private. It was in existence. Like how semi-private was mostly done before was group PT from start to finish. So like, cause we do- And in the park maybe even. Yeah, or, but, cause we do the first half individualized and the second half as a group. How semi-private used to work is it like, all right, Dan, you've come in, you got a 60 minute workout and it's all your own stuff. Raf's got a 60 minute workout, all his own stuff. Laura, 60 minute stuff, all her own workouts. And you just do it and I just supervise the whole thing. But there's no point where you all come together and do a workout. So that's how semi-private was done traditionally. But we thought that kind of sucks. Like you're kind of just doing your own thing for a whole 60 minutes. Let's actually dedicate half the workout to still coming together and training together. Just because we'd done group fitness and we realized how fun it was. And yeah, you, you, you brought the community aspect to it. Yes. And that's something that is working flawlessly and in your favor because – for example, you have the Saturday morning session, which is the Cub member session. Yeah. That was born randomly. That We didn't organize that. That was just something that- It was organic, yeah. Yeah, it happened. Yeah. And what keeps happening? More people keep joining the gym, more Cub members, because the other members saying, hey, you got to come to the gym session. Yeah. And, and, and people keep joining. They wouldn't have joined without that community aspect. Mm. 
Yeah, you know, that, that, that is a sales point. That, 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 that's something that's a, a huge bonus. Mm. Um, and, and, and there you go. There's the innovation with the, with the reward. Whenever yeah. there's an innovation, so long as a good one, mm. there's going to be a reward. And, and that's almost a sales tool. You could even almost build that into your – into the growth, you know, each person should bring someone else. Yeah, well, actually it's interesting because what we noticed was now that we've kind of really identified our like target person even more because like our target person is someone that's done PT for a long time and they're basically like sick of it. Like the same conversation every single day. I want to train three or four times a week but PT's bored of me. I'm bored of the PT but and I don't expensive. want to join a group. It's expensive. It's a big, it doesn't matter how much money you got. It's still a big cost. Still spending four or $500 a week some people, right? Um, it kind of... They're perfect. They slot in. They're paying a fifth of what they normally pay for personal training. But they have to train four or five times a week with a group, different conversations, different people every day. And I think that that's, that's really where it's been fun. But as a result, we've noticed that because the community, there's so many more like-minded people now. It's probably what you noticed with Cub as well is we get a lot more referrals. People like, oh, I want to bring my friend in because first of all, it's different. This is how it's different. It's not just like every other group gym because we didn't get many referrals in the past of Fauna. I think it's just because people would say, oh, what's the gym like? And they'd just be like, oh, it's kind of like a CrossFit gym. And the person would think, oh, cool. Okay, so I'll just go to the CrossFit gym near me. They didn't have a reason to so come to Creature Fitness. what's the point of difference now? What do you think people are remembering when they go tell their friends? It's the, it's the individualized program in the first half and then the group program at the end and six people. Those are the main three things. Six people, max. Yep. 30 minutes of your own stuff and then 30 minutes group I, stuff. I always hear as well. I always hear as well from the members and even from the team because a few of the team, even my cousin's going to the Saturday session next week. He asked me if you can go. I said, yeah, of course. Um, you, Rob, you met him at the fifth birthday. Oh, yeah, I did. Yep, yep, yep. Um, he's super fit. Anyway. Um, Bring it on, Rob. Uh, he's an animal. But um, what was I talking about? I went off topic there. Uh, I think you were talking about. Oh, no, what, what people say. What do yeah, people say? Yeah. They always say, oh, I meet great people. Mm. I meet good people at the gym. Mm. And they're normally meeting business owners or they're normally, I don't know, some professionals, but they're meeting good people. Yep. So you've, you've really, as a business, also found your demographic. Yeah. And that is probably serving serving you even more. You know, like yeah. I, I know at Cub when we were growing up and we had all these different kind of stages of business and demographics and members and then no one really knows what Cub is because who's he? I don't know. Not everyone's like me. And, yeah. and then boom, we found our – we found our niche. We found our demographic. It wasn't the small businesses. It wasn't the huge businesses. Mm. It was the next generation of big business. It were the fast-growing businesses with the established revenues that are growing rapidly and, and are successful. Um, and, and once you have that, you've got the demographic. Suddenly you can serve that group of people better. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening. It's that's also just, um, I was going to say, it's exclusive as well. That is a huge part because if you go to a big box gym, like there are uh, – plenty of like-minded people at the gym, you know, out of fitness first, there's loads of like-minded business owners that they would love to meet, but it's just amongst the mass. Mm -hmm. So there's no, like, no one just goes up and speaks to people yeah. or meets the people because you have to filter through so many people. But when you just keep it really exclusive and just have those types of people, then everyone's like an open book. Yeah. You know, they're keen to talk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, exactly right. They had it there, but that's not part of their model. Their model, it wasn't community. No. Mm -hmm. They weren't trying to bring people in. They're actually trying to split people up. Mm -hmm. They don't want you to come to the gym because you're going to take up a room. Yeah. So, so, and, and I've got a problem with that. And I think that's a big benefit of what you guys are doing. You're saying we actually track our engagement levels of our members like Cub does. Yeah. We have to track your engagement. Yeah. So you renew because we know if you're not engaged, why the hell would you renew? Yeah. You're not getting value then. So you do the same thing for your clients. What a big problem I have with the, gym, the business model of gyms in general is exactly what you said. 
I didn't know to the detail of, of you know how they price it and all that type of stuff. I, I, I'm not in the industry. I didn't know that. It was really interesting to hear that. But I did know that they need as many – they've got a fixed cost. It's almost a similar business model to Cup actually. Yeah. You've got a fixed cost and everything you make past that is profit and to make past that you need to get as many members as humanly possible. Yeah. And to do that, they can't even come. So they can't actually get value from 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 the gym. Yeah. And that's the model they go off, which, which I mean, obviously works to an extent because there's some huge gyms. Yeah, yeah, of course. There's some huge corporations in there that run on that yeah, model. But you could say it doesn't work in some ways because the average client doesn't succeed. Well, that yeah, and exactly can't succeed for the model to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, literally yeah, can't. Yeah. And and so you're in this weird. They become almost like sales, just teams, sales teams. Yeah. Just pump out as many members as possible, and then do not communicate at all yes. with your yeah. members. Do not remind them. No, we don't want to remind you that you. <laughs> and you know what else? I'm actually a member. I'm a member of three gyms. Yeah. I'm a member of uh, the one at the Intercon in Double Bay because that's where I train with Sam. Yep. Sam Karam is a brilliant, brilliant. PT, I think he, he's just the greatest. Anyone that wants to train with Sam Cram, <laughs> reach out to me because I cannot stress more. I love that guy. He's the most inspirational dude. You guys need to get him on your podcast. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. Every, we're waiting for the, the invite. Right? Yes, yeah, sorry, I'm going to do that. But every time I go to that guy, you, you know what's – This is, I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here, but do you know what's almost uh, the role of a, a PT as well? It's not just the guidance in the health and the fitness. It's having the right attitude towards life. Yep. itself and something sam does for me is every time if i even consider not doing that last squat <laughs> that dude will make me <laughs> do another 500 yeah. on my own choice like okay. he will say some things to me that will just inspire me to be like that is not the person i want to be i'm someone who finishes things let's rock let's mm. let's do this like the ultimate motivator in life because one thing about fitness that's so beautiful and health that's so beautiful and training that's so beautiful is that it is a direct correlation to life itself. Mm. Life is hard, you know, and to do good at life, you have to have some pain mm. exactly like it is to be healthy and to have your guy's body. Mm. You've got to get some pain. Your muscle's going to hurt sometimes. Mm. And, and being able to push through that pain and commit to the end result is a direct relation to life itself. And as a, as a fitness, as a PT, for example, or as a, a fitness entrepreneurs or health entrepreneurs like yourselves, I reckon understanding that correlation is a huge um, kind of advantage to, 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 to the game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, we, we talk about this at nauseum all the time, right? Is that when people finally connect the dots between their health and everything else they do in their life, they realize that the health is the first touch point that you have the most control over to, people hear this term personal development, right? The, the, the most powerful personal development tool is taking control of your health because you have the most control over it. So let me give you an example, right? COVID hit this year, people had businesses that were probably going really well and then shit hit the fan, right? And there's so much stuff out of your control. You, you're told you can't go into work. You're told that, uh, you know, it's it's unsafe to be to be close to people, right? You're told that, you know, you're getting this much government support, but they're not going to support you in this way. There's so many things out of your control there which can dramatically affect the health of your business. But one thing that did barely changed in that time was how much you could take control of your health. The only stuff you can't really control when it comes to your health is pretty much a disease, like a 
unfortunately, some, yeah. someone gets cancer, right? So you, I know people have done all the right things their whole life, never done anything, unfortunately, yeah, brain cancer or some, something tragic like that. Outside of that, you control what food goes in your mouth. You control how much sunlight you get. You control uh, how often you work out, how much you move. You control how you look after your joints, what supplements you take. You control every aspect of it. And I think when people realize that and they take control of it, it gives them such a different sense of empowerment. You know, I walk around, I see people that are seriously overweight and it's like there's, I find it very hard to believe that other things in their life they've done extremely well. Definitely there are people that have, but when your body is that out of control, it's like a, it's almost like a physical manifestation of your life out of control. You've just given up on tons of things. You just let go. You just don't care anymore. I fully agree. It is not healthy. It is, that is the end result. It is not healthy. It's not good to bully someone either. Yeah. It, it's not healthy. Advertising for fat people as well or with is also not healthy. It's just not. Mm. And that should be discouraged. I know the world it needs to be at the moment, oh, it's for everyone. Yes, but, but I think that's wrong. I think you should be told, listen, you're fat. That doesn't mean you're not a good person. You're probably a fantastic person. But we want you because you're a fantastic person, we want you on this world longer. Yeah. So your fat ass needs to go for a run <laughs> and stop eating. Yeah. Or stop eating shit, which I'm, we're going to talk about what to eat at the end of the podcast. But, but I, I keep seeing all this thing about, oh, you know, there should be fat people in advertisements. Now, I'm not saying I don't like to look fat people. They're beautiful. I want to hug them. <laughs> but all I'm saying is that it's just not healthy. Yeah. And people, that it needs to be said. It needs to be, listen, you're a beautiful human being. We want you on this earth, earth longer and the way you're going is not going to do that for you. We want to keep you here longer and we're going to focus. I'm hoping in a gym. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's this thing, right, called intuitive eating. It's this movement that started and – uh, some of the stuff you talked about stemmed out of that movement and what it was was to say, uh, and it came like mostly women talking about it, saying, hey, you're, like, we're, you're beautiful all sizes. You should love yourself at all sizes, which I understand what their intention is. Their intention is saying no matter how you look, whether you have makeup, no makeup, bedhead, or you, know, you just got your hair done at the hairdressers, you should love yourself regardless. Mm -hmm. and, that, and the same applies to us as well. You know, there's still days I'll look in the mirror and I'll be like, oh, fuck, I wish this was different or that was different or this muscle shape differently. But you have to learn to just accept yourself the way you, the way you are, and be okay with it. But at the same time, there's a limit to that. You can't just be okay with being obese. You can't love yourself. If someone loves themselves when they're obese, I think they've got some issues there. They don't understand the health implications. But I feel like it's selfish. By the time you get to being that big and that unhealthy in your life, you either have kids, you have family, you have friends, you have people that rely on you, and not looking after your health. If you compromise yourself and you know, you end up in the hospital, you end up with serious disease, like that's selfish. You have people that have to take care of you now. You're putting a drain on the economy, on our health system. What is it? I think it's like diabetes in the US is like the most strenuous. Um, heart disease is, heart disease in the US is the number, number one, one killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah number one killer, but the, um, the medication or the cost of the health system is like the biggest cost that the United States incurs on a yearly basis is keeping like these people alive. So you think about all it, you know, it's a very selfish thing in a ways to get that unhealthy and that overweight and neglect looking after yourself. It's fortunate that we just have systems and communities to look after us now, but you know, back in the day, you'd be gone, you'd be dead. Yeah, and, and, but the point is not to go on a fat rant. The point is to go on a health rant and just to acknowledge that what I love what you said was that the one thing that you can control in this world is your own body. Mm -hmm. And... That should be the basis. So almost when they say you should love yourself, 
I almost feel that they do meet or it maybe it originally started is you do need to actually love yourself. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you don't look or feel the way you do. If you love yourself, you will want to make yourself healthier and fitter and 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 yes, look more beautiful because let's face it, health and fitness does relate directly to uh, appearance and beauty yep. and that relates to the way the world looks at you and that relates to and then that in turn makes you feel more confident and makes you feel more empowered and able to go do things. Mm. And that's the industry you're in. You give people the confidence and the motivation to to take on life. Yeah. You know, yeah. how would you describe what you sell? Yeah, well, what I would add is that it's also this, a very predictable result. So I guess unlike business, you know, even if you have like Richard Branson as your business coach and you do every single thing right and you, you do all the work, you can still end up, you might disagree, but you can still end up bankrupt at a certain point, right? It can still go horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Someone can meet you on the street and say, wow, like everything has gone wrong in your in your business life. Health is different. Whereas like you, you might not get to the Olympics, but if you choose a very good professional and they help you and you do the work, you do the recommendations, you end up healthy and fit. Mm. Yeah. So long as you do it. Yeah. As long as yeah. you do it. It's much simpler than business. Because business, even if you do it, there's no, there's no correct to business. There's no one way to success. Yeah. Whereas with health, there almost is one way to success. Yes, not every health routine works for everybody the exact same way. But I can guarantee you, if you go for a run every morning, uh, do three weight sessions a week and eat healthy, that you're going to be healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. That, and that's almost comforting to know that. And that should uh, – I love that you said that. It's comforting. It's, it's, it's something you always have – power power yeah. over and, yeah. and what do you think's the um biggest flaw in the health space at the moment in the in the gym space in the gym business industry yeah. or in the health industry what which which you think is more important well we can talk at nauseam about both but um but I, I, think do gyms, I think there's do the business model of gyms and both have got a lot of bad yeah yeah, we'll do gyms first because i guess it's more zoomed in and then you could zoom out and talk about the health industry and fitness market in general as it works yeah, I mean, in, in terms of gyms, I mean, one of the hardest things is they're selling to somebody that, we were talking about this earlier, we're selling to someone who's not that educated on the topic. So they're selling to consumers that don't know that much about health and fitness. So they're always, you know, selling what you want to hear, which is maybe not the best thing for you, right? But it's what you want to hear. So in gyms, you know, they're selling you things that often the person selling it knows it's not even a really good idea. Whether it's a gym membership they know you're not going to stick to or a massive group fitness class, 40 people in it, the movements are all bad for you and they're just like, you know what, you're just going to enjoy it. The music's great, get in there. So they're, they're selling you things that, that you just want to hear and part of it is the hard bit, which is that if they tell you what you really need to hear, you might not like the sound of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We, we, were, we were saying the example that uh, the entry point for the majority of people that start their fitness journey, 99% of them, they start at a big box gym, right? The big box gym is the most advanced place to do fitness. Only until you are at the level that you know we're at should you only be going there. And that is a level where you know exactly what you're doing. You've been taught everything. You have accountability to yourself, which not many people have, that have built it into their routine. So no matter what, no matter how shit they feel, they get out of bed, they go to the gym and they can take care of their own program. Think about all those things that you need. They know they're on nutrition. It's five, 10 years. Yeah, but that's where most people start. They start in an environment where they should be at that level. That's, that's sort of- I, I agree. And you know what? Stand outside of fitness first. Look who walks out. Exactly. Everyone's massive. They're all- <laughs> Yeah, rich. they're experienced. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. The ones who go know what they're doing. Yeah. They're, 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 they're fitness people. People that attend. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The people yeah. that go, the people that walk out yeah. of the gym. They're the ones you see. They, they, they be going all the time. Yeah. 
they, they, they are those people. Those are the people that should They're be They're the there. 1%. But you don't see the rest who are there. <laughs> yeah, who are paying all the bills and making all the money yeah. and making all the yeah. profit. And, and yeah. to, to my point, because I, I, I went way off topic before, I said I, I'm a member of three gyms. So the one in Double Bay, yeah. I trained with Sam. Yeah. Your guy, a Creature in Rush Cutters and a P Department yep. in Potts Point. Point. Yep. Now, I go to the one, so I just want to say three reasons why I'm a member of three gyms. So the one in Double Bay, I'm only a member because I have to pay the $40 a week in order to train with Sam there. Right. That is the only reason I'm a member. That's a lot. It's, it's, in, the, in, it's in Double yeah, Bay. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, so I have to pay that just to even go train with mm. Sam. Yeah. I have to pay that. So I already hate the fucking gym <laughs> <laughs> because I'm already paying a fortune to train with Sam. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want to pay the $40. Yeah. Second, um, uh, PE department. It's close to my house and if I do need a gym to train at, I'm not going to double bay yeah. <laughs> And because I want to walk there. Uh, and to any listeners know, I'm in Potts Point, so, so PE department is close. And I'm going currently to PE department once a month. I pay $30 a week. So I'm going, okay. I'm going about once a month. Yeah. And that's only if I've missed a session or it's on the weekend. Uh, I'm it's not an expensive session. It's like $120 session. Exactly my yeah. point. Again, so I'm pissed off at the gym. Yeah. But it's my fault really. Yeah. But yeah, I'm angry at the gym. And then I have Creature of which I go to um, twice a week, Wednesdays and Thursdays. I don't pay when I'm, when I'm not going because – well, I actually go to all the sessions, I guess. Yeah, yeah you use you use a whole membership. Yeah, I, I use it. My point is, I use it regularly, and I use the gym for what the gym gives me. Mm. I'm not using like double bay. I'm paying for the gym so I can use Sam. This gym I'm paying because I'm a moron. That gym, your gym, I'm paying to actually use what the gym provides me, and that in itself, and I have fun there because you talk to people. Yeah, but but that in itself is a nice feeling. I'm receiving what. I'm paying for, and that may sound like stupid to people, like, oh, what do you uh, receive what you pay for? But it is a fact because one thing I've learned, especially through Cub, is if you tell someone you're going to give them X and you give them something better than X, you give them Y, they're going to be pissed off that they didn't get X. Mm. And and you're saying, but this is better. And they say, well, that's what, what I was expecting. Mm. You know, people – you need to people need to receive exactly what it was that they paid for. If you want to add on a little bonus as a surprise, okay, cool, even better. But that's what I feel you guys do. And that's what business needs to think. It's like, am I giving my client exactly what they want? Sometimes it's even better to think, okay, maybe I should just strip away some of the shit mm. that I give. It's not important. It's not what we do. It's not on purpose. Yeah. You know, with Cub, if it has nothing to do with building valuable relationships between accomplished Australian entrepreneurs. We axed it this year. It's not there anymore. Yeah. And there was a lot of stuff. Yeah. Saved us a lot of money. Yeah. But members love it even better because we focus more on what we're supposed to do. We focus more on building you guys friendships with other business owners. Mm. And and it, to my point, we sell relationships. Why the hell would we give anyone anything else other than that? That is where our resource, uh, resource focus and things should be. And – and every business needs to actually think, am I giving them exactly what it is that I'm selling? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think we do that. One way we built that into our systems is we always have a long conversation with clients before we sit down with them, uh, so before we let them in the gym. We filter them. We filter so to make sure this, my conversation word for word is, hey, I want to find out what you want to get out of this to see if it's a good fit for what we offer at the gym. And only if it is, will I invite you down to the gym. 
And 50% of the time it's not. And I say, hey, look, everything you've told me just then, I actually don't think you're going to be a good fit for the gym. Let me recommend somewhere else for you. And I do that half the time because I just know no matter what I tell this person, no matter how I try and sell them, it's never going to meet their expectations. It's not going to be right for them. And it feels like it hurts at the time because you're giving up potential money, but it's not. You're, you're, you're making the gym better. You're, 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 you're securing a long-term gain as opposed to a short-term win yes. is what you're doing in that situation yeah. because you're going to have longer-term clients who are going to be with other clients in the same that they're the right demo, or the right mindset or whatever you'd call it yeah. and they're going to benefit from each other and it's going to be a long-term community yeah. and, and that's how businesses should be looking at clients. Yeah. You want to keep you want to keep clients because not only uh, I, I mean I, they say it's cheaper to keep a client than find a new one. I actually don't believe that. It, I think it's pretty easy to find. I mean Cubs never struggle to find new members. Um but uh, that's not the point. It's maybe cheaper financially. I don't think it is. There might be some studies saying it is. I don't think it is. But where it is cheaper in keeping clients is that you already know them. They know how to use your product. It's time you're saving. You're not teaching them how to use things. You're not onboarding them with your brand. They, don't, they, they know how to communicate it to others. They know where you are. They know the team. They know how to find the gym. They know, you know it, it's that that you're keeping. And they've got, you've got that relationship. The more you lo- know, the longer you're with someone, the more good things they're going to talk about you mm. because they've committed to you longer. Mm. And they've made more progress. Yeah. A 20-year marriage is a lot harder to get out of than a two-year marriage. Mm. It's true. Yeah, it's true. I, I hope that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- uh, I would say it would be. I'd say if you go 20. Yeah, I don't more know. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Kids and Assets have grown together. Yeah. You know what we need? Laura, you know what we need to get? We need to get you like a mic with like a laptop. You know Joe Rogan? He's like, hey, Jamie, Jamie, yeah. Jamie, Jamie. <laughs> look that up for us. We need that because we, have one of those. we spit out a lot of his, facts on this show that may or may not be true. <laughs> we got Do you guys a, have a Jamie? We got a Connor. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So should, Connor, we should have brought him over. We could have used him today. Pull some shit up for us. But no, to go to your other point about you said, what's the. You know, what's the biggest issue with the gym industry? I feel like we just covered it. The biggest issue with health industry, the health space in general. I, I think I would have had a different answer maybe like five years ago, but I definitely think today social media is like the worst thing for the fitness and health industry uh, for a few reasons. Um, first reason, I think people forget to consciously acknowledge that what they see, they might not, they might kind of know it subconsciously, but they just forget to remind themselves every time they're scrolling through, there is a strong possibility that what they're seeing is fake. And it's fake because it's been Photoshopped. It's fake because that person doesn't look like that anymore because they dehydrated down and they'd have a photo shoot and they use lighting and editing and makeup. Uh, And for, you know, the other reasons is I really think that social media also conditions you to believe that what you're seeing there is a reflection of reality. But all you have to do is go to a gym and realize that you know, because you don't follow average people on Instagram for their bodies, right? You only follow the people that have got their shirts off on Instagram are only the people that are the tip of the spear that are actually marketing themselves as a fitness person. And therefore you follow those people. If you follow a hundred of them, they're going to flood your feed. They're going to give you a warped perception of reality. You're going to think, oh fuck, everyone that goes to the gym has got an pack, giant biceps, huge ass, all this sort of stuff. But no, that's not, that's maybe there's maybe in, maybe in Bondi Westfield, but Definitely for the majority of gyms all across the world, that is a that is a less than 1% type of person. And if you are paid to do something full-time and you're paid for that thing, you're going to do great at it. Totally. For, for example, if I was an actor and I was training for Rocky, you'd be in shape. Paid yeah. to be, I'll look yeah. like fucking Sly. Yeah. yeah. You know, but but I got a full-time job. 
My, my business isn't in fitness like your business. You guys, technically, you're getting paid to show health. Yeah. That, that's, I'm not going to join a gym owned by a fat guy. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. so, uh, so the normal people, it's like, okay, well, I, I actually work. I've got a family. Like I want to be healthy, but I don't want to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Got to manage it. Yeah. yeah. And I shouldn't expect to. Ah, I agree. But social media is the problem with everything these days. So we could, yeah. that could be almost a blanket world problem. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's penetrated particularly deep in the fitness industry though. I, that's definitely compared to other industries like law and accounting and I don't know. <laughs> so, not so social media problem. is not the same, the same <laughs> impact. But the, the last thing I add to that as well is a lot of the people that you're seeing, believe it or not, they're using, well, first of all, they have tip of the spear genetics. And what I mean by that is they looked that good with very little effort, believe it or not. Uh, and then second thing is a lot of people use performance enhancing drugs these days, whether they use a little bit of it or they use a lot of it or they've used it in the past and they're carrying through a lot of the gains they've made. You just don't know what people are taking. And believe me, I know a lot of people that take a lot of performance enhancing drugs uh, that look good, some look good, some don't look good. But at the end of the day, like what you're seeing is just so far from reality. I think in, in many ways it kind of, Firstly, I think it, it, it messes with people's expectations of how they can look. So some people compare themselves to basically impossible standards. They're, they're comparing themselves to people you could never look like in a million years for all the reasons I just mentioned. But as well, I think that no matter how much progress you make, you will always feel like you're not good enough. So you're, rather than compare yourself to yourself, and this is something that I've fallen into, is that you idolize these people and how they look and you think, why can't I look like that? But then people go, oh man, you look so good. You don't believe him. You don't want to hear it. You're like, no, no, that's bullshit. But have you seen, you know, this guy? Perhaps, but perhaps, 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 <laughs> perhaps that there's um, something beautiful in being okay with that. And, and that should be something that everyone's aware of. For example, in business terms. So yes, that happens with the body. And again, fitness is, the, is a very simple way of being able to view the realities of life. But in business terms... Um, I, 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 I only ever speak on myself personally because that's all I know, but I speak to obviously a lot of members and there's times when they're, they're excep exceptionally successful and we're doing very well. But you still think, oh, but what happened? What if the price was this? I'd be doing so much better. Or what if we had this? I'd be doing so, yeah. so much better. And, and I, don't, I think people need to expect that that never goes. That's part of being human. You're evolved to want more for some reason that, that, that's in our evolution. We... we Revolve to do that. And you almost need to – it's that whole lame old school uh, quotes, you know, enjoy the journey. Like, <laughs> you almost think you have to enjoy the journey. It's not Because you're always going to be greedy. You're always going to be, yep. oh, I could have more. And even when you're grateful, I've been praying a lot lately. It's my new thing. I really like it. I'm getting full spiritual. Okay. And I just basically say what I'm grateful for on a daily basis. And, okay, I'm saying I'm grateful, but it's still one more. <laughs> you know, it's my point. It's never going to end. And so you just have to be grateful and just be enjoying the journey. And, yes, you're still going to want your body to look better. Yes, you're still going to make more money. Yes, you want your brain to be bigger. If, if, if Steve Jobs was still alive, I guarantee you yeah. he'd want to make a better yeah. iPhone or improve the Apple brain. It's just it's humans. And you just have to be aware of that. And, again, another correlation between a body and business. Yeah. And and just to wrap up on the whole gym thing, you guys are about to launch probably the best new gym in Australia. Tell us about it. We are very excited for this. You you can you can kick it off. Well, the coolest part is we're actually looking over the city as we do it. Yeah, you can almost see it. You can you. see where we're going. So we are going into the I guess you call it the heart of the city. It's just near Circular Key, uh, is the spot we've got at the moment. Bridge uh, Bridge Street. Yeah, corner of Bridge Street and 
The gym is called Locker Room. That's the t-shirts if you're watching the video that we're wearing at the moment. Uh, and it's really just, I guess, the next evolution of what we've been working on for the last six, seven years. We're taking the, I think a good example would be if you're going to take a flight. No one flies anymore, but if you remember the old days when we, <laughs> when we would fly, uh, you know, if you getting in shape is the destination you're going to, of course you can ride on the plane with everyone else, right? And then there's like economy class, there's business class, there's first class. You know, where we are right now is probably like a business or first class type of way of going where you want to go. Most people end up get there. You don't always get there. Sometimes there's delays. You, know, you don't always get to your fitness destination. Maybe the plane doesn't work for you. You go to the wrong place. But what we want to do at Locker Room is just the private jet. So you take it completely out of the regular way of getting there. Uh, obviously, it's the experience, it's the exclusivity, and it's the reliability. Always on time, it's your plane. There's perks in there that you would never normally get at an own gym, and you're just out of that environment entirely. Entirely, You're in an environment only with other people that can, that can fly a private jet. So the people you meet in that environment is totally different. Which is cool because like we said, one thing that you mastered in, the, in your business class model was the art of community and the power of that. Yeah. And now you're just leveraging that and you're just hopping on a PJ and getting, yeah. and getting to your fitness destination. <laughs> PJ. Yeah, I mean really the, the conception of the idea, like I sort of mentioned at the start of the show, we've been fortunate enough to travel to the US three times and go to over 15 cities there and go to a lot of gyms and see a lot of models that are working and not working and think, okay, what of these models would work in Australia? And there's this you know, high-end model that's um, been successful overseas, London, New York, LA, Hong Kong, but it hasn't arrived yet in Australia for reasons that we're not really sure. We can speculate on lots of different things, but the market is ready for it. The demand is there. And we just thought with our experience, uh, with our knowledge, with our connections, our network, uh, we can be the guys that bring that high-end model here. So when it opens in 2021, early 2021, it'll be the first of its kind. Uh, so it'll be a gym exclusively for Australia's industry and business leaders. So it'll have a very harsh filtering process. Uh, it'll have a price to match, but really the the whole, uh, where it came from, the whole idea of, of why we built it in the first place wasn't just to copy America and, and all these other places and do an Australian version of it, but we love these types of clients. We love successful business people that are busy, that want to get stuff done, that are you know, A-type personalities. They did not have something that was serving them. You know, There was a lot of stuff out there, but there's no reason why people like this shouldn't have something to be able to service them. Like Raf said, they have private jets. They have their aviation covered. They have their hotels covered. They have their food covered. They don't have a, such a huge piece of their life covered. They don't have a gym. They don't have a health and fitness brand built for them. And that was always upsetting for me, being in the health and fitness industry. We always struggled to, with the creature model, service that tip of the spear client, the, even the ultra successful business and industry leader. They were, they might have the best personal trainer at Virgin Active, the nicest change rooms, the nicest spa, whatever, but you can still rock up at 6 a.m. and the treadmill's taken, every bench is taken, the bench press, the barbells, the dumbbells are taken. The PT looks at them and goes, I know you're charging me 200 an hour, but it's down to the boxing bag. I've got to change the program. The, the gym's too busy because... Honestly, it's just too cheap. It's still a low entry level for anyone to train there. So the intern that rides the train can train next to the CEO and he can take his bench before he even gets there. Like how frustrating is that? This guy's like, look, my time is really precious. I'm making a decision that's worth $150 million this morning. I need to get my training in. I need something that's built for me. I'm like, fuck it. Let's build it. Locker room. And so uh, three months, hopefully, or four months. And so what, we'll why is it a PJ? Why is it a private jet? Sorry. Like what? What about it makes it so special? Well, it's definitely got the price point uh, to match a private jet, which is 
you know, we kind of laugh, but at the end, end of the day, we need a price point that's high enough. That means that we do cut out most of the market because that's part of the reason you build a community is to have exclusivity. Price is a really fast and easy way to get there. It also adds an additional reason for your client to join because it's, okay, hey, I'm joining for the ultimate health experience, but on top of that, I'm going to be meeting some incredible people and that in itself is 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 probably worth it. Yeah, what I mean, what's typical of, of founders? Are, are you, and, can you say the price point or no? Yeah, we can talk about the price point. What's what's typical of founders and business leaders and stuff like that is that they, I'll get to it, is that they, they want to be with people like them. But also what's become more typical is that a health crisis for them, also a midlife crisis for them, starts to look like a triathlon. It starts to look like a marathon or a Spartan event. Whereas midlife crisis before was like, I don't know, buy a Ferrari and go crash it or something, right? But now these CEOs, these founders, there's a whole bunch of them that are super health conscious now. They're like, all right, give me the IV drips, give me like the biohacking, the red lights, give me all this crazy stuff, give me the $50,000 bike or whatever. And so we realize there's a segment of this market that really care about their health. And when they do business, they do business over lunches, over booze. But if you're health conscious, you don't want to do that. You don't want to sit at a lunch and entertain clients and drink five or six beers just to be there to do a deal. What if instead you could do business deals with someone you actually care about and you actually like, which is training at the gym? What if you could pair up with someone and be like, hey, rather than go to the restaurant and the lunch and sink five beers, we both don't want to do that. How about let's meet at locker room? Let's go and let's do a 45-minute training session with the trainer. Let's hit the bag. Let's do some weights. Let's do whatever. And let's let's talk about this deal. And better yet, you might even meet somebody at the gym that you, a new deal. But okay, so tell me, how high is this price point? Because for example, I don't have a private jet. Would I be able to join this gym? We theorized that if you don't spend all the money that you earn and you actually are smart with your money, if you earn somewhere quarter million dollars plus a year, you could afford locker room. Okay. Yeah. So you're probably looking at the price of if you were to do, um, you know, a PT every day, so five days a week, that's about the price of locker room, somewhere between four to $600 a week. And is oh, that- Yeah, three to $600 a week. And is that a, an upfront payment for the year or is that- um, uh, a monthly. We usually work on six months. On six months. So yeah, someone yeah. would pay up front for six months. Yeah, exactly. And the cool thing is that is everything is taken care of, which does not normally happen. Normally you pay that price and you just get a trainer every day. But at this gym, obviously the equipment, state of the art is everything you actually need to train. But then, you know, everybody gets a whip band. So when you walk in the gym, we know how you slept the night before, before you even start your session. And we can start tailoring it. And what recovered you are. Exactly. So we, well, what, tell us about whoop. Some people don't know what whoops are and you're both wearing a whoop right now maybe lift it up for the what's camera. your whoop bro oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> they gave me a whoop but before i explain what a whoop is well you guys should explain what a whoop is because aren't you guys the official or yeah we're, and we're like the ambassadors for it for australia uh, but even if we weren't i would still be talking about it it's just it's the best health tracker there's out there so it's i guess you could liken it to a fitbit except mm-hmm. it does way more than that joe rogan promotes it all the time yeah and like lebron james wears it, like i think tiger woods has one yep. so it's just you know it's the it's the very tip of it. Uh, it does everything in terms of your health. The biggest one we use it for is health, uh, sorry, sleep and training. So how recovered you are, how well you recovered from the training before and how well you're sleeping. So you can see improvements over time and then just day to day if the trainer needs to make adjustments on your program. And that, you know, it, it captures everything. So if you drink a lot of alcohol, it captures that and, and you will see the results in that the next day. I'm aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why my whoop's not on. <laughs> but tell us, um, so everyone that joins the gym gets a whoop. Everyone gets a word, we're synced up, so we know exactly what you're doing. But then it goes beyond that, you know. So if you turn up, you haven't got your clothes, we've got your clothes ready, washed, 
all your gym clothes ready, ready in your locker when you get there. So there's no excuses, right? You've got the hydration, everything you need to have a great session, even though you woke up that morning so unprepared. We know your program. That's one of the hardest things. You know, if you have a trainer at Fitness First, if you miss your session because work comes up, it's impossible to schedule again. Because, you know, your trainer, Sam, I'm sure he's busy. You can't just reschedule, right? If you miss your morning, you can't reschedule. Whereas with Arjun, we have the trainer there all day who's ready with your program. You can go in, train at a different time of day, still in the same environment. So just what I think you're saying, what I'm taking from it anyway, is what you're actually giving for this high, for the high price point is freedom, is flex, is simplicity. They don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. These are busy people. I don't want to have to worry. It's almost freedom. I can come, I can use whatever I want. I can have a trainer whenever I want. Everything knows. When I come in, my stuff's all in my wardrobe. They know how much I've slept. I know how much I've slept. Everything. They, it, it, it's, it, you're basically saying, hey, we're going to make being healthy easier for you yes. because we know how busy the rest of your life is. And, and yes, that comes with a price point, but as an additional benefit to that, you might be meeting some incredible, or you will be meeting some incredible uh, other um, members here, and who knows what's going to come from those opportunities. Yeah. And the and benefits of that are going to far outweigh the price of the membership. On top of that, your health is going to outweigh the price of the membership too, because yeah. you can't really put a price on health. Yeah. So it's really what it sounds like is that it's that I, I haven't got the word, but it, it's not freedom. It's not flexible. It's, it's maximum it, convenience. It's, it's yes. Con it, 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 yeah. Convenience. Yeah. You're making it easier for the really busy person to do it. And Hey, I hate waiting in lines. I don't even wait in lines. Yeah. I hate it. Can't do it. I have too much ADD. <laughs> when I get out of a elevator at a hotel, I can't even walk to my room. I have to run down the hall <laughs> because I hate, I can't stand it. If the elevator is taking long, I walk back and forth. I'm freaking out. I don't do, I, I, I don't like waiting in lines. That would be my type of gym. I don't want to walk in and have to wait for someone to finish the bench and wipe it down because it's all sweaty and shit. Yeah. I want it to be nice when I get there. Yeah. The only thing stopping you from doing a session at Locker Room is just your willpower. You know, how are you just going to basically- Are you talking about me personally? <laughs> well, you can speak to yourself, but- No, no, speak to me because as we both know, I've been a bit off track the past Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, there's just a lot of excuses that come up for people that own companies like yourself or people that, you know, are C-suites or whatever, people that are at this gym, that can stop them coming from the gym. Time is like a huge one, right? Meetings, last minute meetings, phone calls, forgetting stuff. We want to take that all off the table. No excuses. Basically, yeah. yeah. That's what you're giving them, the time. Sorry, that's the word we're looking for. It's time. Yeah, we're you're giving them time back, yeah. 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 You're, making, you're making the time for them to use the gym. You don't have to remember your gym stuff. You can book five minutes before and rock up in your suit and we got everything covered for you. Or if a meeting comes up, exactly. you just change your you, – you can put your session whenever you want. Yeah. That's Maximum, awesome. Yeah. It's time. Yeah. And, and what's the busiest people? What are, what's the one thing they can't buy more? Fucking time. Yeah. And that's what you're giving them. So maybe now they can buy time. Buy time. <laughs> that's We're awesome. selling time. And it's called Locker Room. Locker Room, yeah. Uh, so Locker Room with one uh, one word, one R. One word. Is Locker Room normally two R's? Well, Locker Room is oh, yeah. locker, locker Room. Oh, yeah. Room. Oh, yeah. But we've combined it and one there R. There you go. There's yeah. my dyslexia coming out. <laughs> it's coming out for play. One word, one R. Locker Amazing. Room. And and so the gym space you've been incredibly successful in. We've, we've spoken about gyms in length. But one thing that you're actually – or I guess another space or, or fitness and health medium that you're actually a leader in, you're number one in, and I would say you're number one in the uh, semi-private uh, uh, gym space, but one thing you're number one in, in uh, another space you're number one in 
How many times do I want to say that? You're number one in a lot of spaces. Another thing you're number one in is the podcast game. You guys have the number one fitness podcast in the entire country. And and was there a number you were in the world you were telling me? Uh, it's, it's usually always in the top 30 in the world. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. If you're in the top 1,000 in the world for anything, like if you're the 1,000th thousand, tallest guy in the world, Fuck you're tall. still a tall <laughs> dude. Tall, tall, yeah. tall guy. Giant. Yeah, you're a giant. You're in the NBA 100%. Yeah. So, so that's a huge accomplishment. And how many people like us – you know, trying to do podcasts and, and are doing things and, and you know, they don't go anywhere or you, I don't know what happens. Our podcast is a bit different. We're not going for the mass market type of thing. Yeah, We like to showcase our members and, and, and highlight them and bring value to existing members and, and people interested in the club. But it's one thing we're going to be changing very soon too because our, our listening base is getting bigger and growing outside of the club and we keep talking about club-specific awesome. things. So we're yeah. trying to... We actually have a meeting about it next week. We're okay. trying to be less cubbish in the podcast. But but I want to really go through your journey because I want to know personally, I'm doing a podcast. I want to actually learn your lessons, hear your journey and why you started the podcast and how you use it now. How does it benefit you? Do you make money from all that type of stuff? So when you, why did you start in the first place? So we started really soon after we started the gyms, really. So we, we kicked it off. It was just exactly what you're doing. So we created it to give back some extra value to the clients we had. So we got on, you know, to some early days expert, experts. It was just called the Creature Fitness or Creature Podcast. Okay, so I'm on the right. I started well. <laughs> it was called Creature yeah. TV. And I think that is an awesome way to do it because you're, you're going after a very small amount of people, right? Literally like less than 100 people you're trying to service, right? So yes. you have a really good idea who in mind and it's like quite easy to think of, you know, what what could I do that's going to add value you're saying to them? You, so when you do a po- yeah, you're saying when you do a podcast for your clients. Yeah, you're starting yeah. so small. So I can yeah. just walk downstairs and say, hey, what, what do you guys want to hear about? And then there's your first topic, you know, for the show. Who do you want us to speak to? So that so true. is how it started. Very quickly, we got listeners outside. So, we, you know, we just made it more general. So people wanted to see it that, you know, we're not from the gym and, and hear about it. Uh, and then we went on really an Australian podcast tour. So we just decided, hey, we don't want to do online podcasts, um, which is what we do a lot of now, but in a lot of shows we're doing, we just want to do Australian episodes. So we did all our podcasts for about 12 months in person, just getting, you know, fitness leaders, mostly really in Sydney, come to the gym, record, and we did one show a week like that. And, and that was the thing and that did us for a really long time. And then when we wanted to just go one more level up, we started doing international guests. Just because, you know, the fitness industry is great in Australia, but in terms of the world, you know, nearly all the experts are outside of Australia when it comes to health and fitness. I want to hear also, sorry, I, I yeah. didn't mean to stop you speaking. I was like, put on my finger, I'm like, stop. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah, she stopped. I'm going to start doing that. Question. I'm going to start doing that in meetings. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, sorry, can you yeah. just explain to me what you mean by podcast tool? Well, in that early days, it was just, I'm saying it was all in person. So we would just either go to guests or guests would come to us and we were just going around finding guests. I mean, back then I had to explain to people what the podcast was, like what a podcast was in general, yeah. where you could find it. This was in 2015. Yeah, really yeah. 14 for them to even okay. come onto the show. There were not many podcasts. Like we were listening to shows and like there was a handful of health and fitness oriented podcasts in the entire world. And we would do that. We started getting a few internationals and then we really wanted to go next level. So we said, hey, we're going to do like a, an international podcast tour. We're going to take what we're doing here and we're going to go to the States. So we did some stuff, we like raised some money. We weren't really making any money from it in the days, but we got some money together, flew over to the States and we spent like a few weeks there, but we gathered enough episodes for like six months basically. Uh, and I think because we had traveled so far for the show, when podcasting wasn't that big, we were able to pull in much bigger guests than we'd ever got in the past. They're like, oh, wow, you guys have come from Australia. That is 
crazy far for a podcast. You know, no one was really doing that. And would they ask you how many listeners you had? Because you may not have had that many at that point. But in the early not days, a, not they didn't really ask. Didn't so care, nowadays, yeah. everyone's like, how many downloads? Because, yeah. you know, people know about podcasts. Like, yeah. how many followers? Back then, I mean, you can't actually see how many downloads a podcast gets, right? No one, no one actually knows. Everyone was just like, awesome. All the way from Australia, I'd love to be on the show. You know, so we were actually able to take advantage of that, um, get some really good guests on the show. And that was a, a pretty quick, you know, upward And how did you reach out to them though? Like you just call someone be like, hey, you like- you just message them on Instagram. Yeah, cold reach outs. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was early days. fitness space is big on Instagram. Yeah. Social media. Yeah. I mean, if you want it, you can get to people. And most people's egos are you know, tickled when you get them on a podcast. So people are pretty keen to talk about themselves. Yeah, they love it. Yeah. Oh man, we had some good stories from that first trip. Like we were driving around- <laughs> we we're driving around in a, a Jeep Grand Cherokee that barely worked. Like it stalled multiple times. Like he even hit, he even ran up the back of someone in LA, and I was like, "Oh, we're gonna get shot. We're definitely <laughs> get shot." <laughs> and um, no, we, I mean, driving on a different side of the road or whatever. But there were days it's like, "All right, we're gonna go 6 a.m. in this county, and then 12 p.m. in this county, and then 8 p.m. in this county." And so we'd be on the road, you know, surviving on just like caffeine and water for a 15 hour day, just podcasting all these different spots. Just these little kids just excited, coming here with the gear set up, put the mics on and just start rolling. And you would do it all yourself set it all Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Yeah, just just really get into it, take one selfie at the end and then off to the next place and you know, traveling and stopping eating fast food in between because we hadn't eaten all day and stuff. But it was like, you know, we weren't quite sleeping out of the back of the car, but it was almost that close. You and know? how did you design? Actually, you know, it's so funny. Australian perspective on the USA. Like <laughs> you just assume like Australian, because Australia's so safe. You don't have like, you know, if I ran up, you, like, you, 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 you're, you're not getting shot. You're not getting yeah, shot yeah. in this country. Yeah. You're in the US because we're not, we're from Australia. We're like, oh yeah, <laughs> that, that's the perspective you have in your head. You're like, oh, run up someone who could get shot. And the rea- reality of it is you, you fucking might. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Or we at least see a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're in Texas, everyone's carrying them. Yeah. But yeah. if you're in LA, everyone's carrying them. Yeah. So we didn't get shot. We survived. But that's yeah. good. Well, I'm happy you didn't because it's this fantastic episode. Um, <laughs> and can you help? Can you help uh, help me understand how you designed your episodes? Because uh, were they always the same structure, same length, or did you freestyle? Um, did it take you time to kind of find your episode pattern? What What was that journey like? Oh man, we've been through so many iterations of this. We've I think we found a really good sweet spot now. Although innovation is still like it's still part of, of, of what we're trying to do. And there's, I mean, I'd be lying if I said we hadn't copied a lot of other shows and how they did it and took what we thought was good there and, and made it our own and taken out what was bad. But the original was once a week. It was once a week and it was an interview with someone. And then it got to the point where I started to realize, because uh, we did a couple of Monday shows or our interview shows where it was just us, like we couldn't get a guest. Uh, it didn't happen often, but the the listens were the same. And we're like, oh, that's interesting. We didn't need a guest here to pull in a big, to pull in big numbers. What if people just want to hear about us? What if we shared more of our story? What if we became more vulnerable on the show? So we had an idea for a second show of the week. We called it the after show, like after the show. Uh, and Makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of like the, uh, what, was the, what was the version of the movie? It would be like the behind the scenes almost. That's kind of what, how we saw it, right? Like the outtakes. And that had no structure in the beginning. And, and I'll tell you what. No structure is putting it lightly. <laughs> Not having a structure to a podcast is probably one of the worst things that you could do. Like no preparation, no structure because it just gets people lost, right? And it just, and you're lost and you feel like you're not talking about anything or it's not going anywhere. Um, and so we started to build structure into the after show. The point that we got the after show now to, so we've done, 
did it once. A, we do it once a week, and we've done two hundred and ten after shows now. Wow. Yeah, the, the, so four years. So the show, the after show that we have now, basically segmented into. So throughout the week, the week, if interesting topics come up, like some events happen to us, I don't know. Raf's kid decides to eat meat, not vegetables, or something. He'll write it in the chat. He'll put. He'll just put a dot point as a reminder. You know, if, uh, if Argentina beat New Zealand in the rugby, we'll write it as a dot point. And so we come to the end of the week and we've got like sort of the current events that have happened throughout the week, just some dot points and related to health and fitness. So we'll talk about that for 30, 40 minutes. Then the next half of the show, we'll do our listener questions. So we open it up to the listeners. So on Instagram, through emails, through the website, we just ask people, what do you want to hear about? What what questions are on your mind? Like what, what can we help solve for you? Uh, and so we do somewhere between three to six listener questions. And how can the listeners – so how do the listeners know how to reach out and how do they actually reach out? On Instagram. On so, Instagram. So, so on the podcast you'll say reach out to our Instagram, which is what? The Mind Muscle Project. Mind Muscle Project. Go to Mind, the Mind Muscle Project, send us a message, yep. ask us a question, and we'll, we'll, we, you know, we, we, we may bring that into the podcast. Yeah, so we have a specific like uh, tile that we put up, which I can show you at the end of this, mm-hmm. anyone can find. And it's just like, hey, send us in your questions or post them in the comments below. So we can always go to that tile and there's a list of questions underneath it. Okay. Yeah. And a tile is like an Instagram photo post. Yeah, whatever, like a con- piece of content. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's like on, the, on your page. On the main feed. Yeah, on the, on the main, main feed. feed. Yeah. Oh, well, we add them in the stories as well. We just try and get it from as many sources as possible, screenshot them, add it into our yeah, show me that. Maybe sort of resource. Yeah, I'll show you it. Uh, so we do the listener questions um, and then we do a Netflix review, which is always cool. Everyone's watching Netflix, right? Everyone watches Netflix every day, every night, but people end up spending a lot of time just scrolling through Netflix. They don't have anything to watch. And so we're like, all right, let's just, we're always watching something and there's heaps of health documentaries that come out and a lot of them are garbage. And so we just have a fun time ranting about different Netflix shows that we watch and it's just a fun thing to do. And so he'll send me, hey, watch this this week and I'll say, hey, watch this this week. So like when like, I don't know, Last Dance comes out, you know, we watch it and we review it and stuff and you know, we give it a rating out of five and we have a discussion over it and a bit of banter. So that, that's always really fun. Have you seen my Michael Jordan ball I bought? No, I'm going to I'm gonna look at it. Oh, he, he touched it? He signed it. Oh. Yeah, but I watched the last dance. I freaked out. I found <laughs> the closest ball in Australia. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like I want that. But um, so, so you actually have three dot points that are the structure of your after show. You got the – the dot points, which are the things, the current events throughout the week yep, that you yep, think. Yep. What was the second thing you said? Uh, listener questions. Listener questions. And then, the and then you just review. do Netflix. And what, but Netflix has nothing to do with fitness. Well, it, it can, but at the same time, it's also just a fun way for people to stay engaged. They look forward to it. In the same way when you, you know, listen to the, I don't know, the Tonight Show or whatever, there's always a structure to it. There's a beginning, a middle and an end. Like any movie, right? All movies follow the same pattern, right? They have the introduction of the character, something goes wrong, they have to solve the problem and then there's some kind of good ending, right? And so do you have a weekly show plus a weekly after show? And we also started, as we became more savvy in business, we learned more about business and people knew we were running gyms. They wanted to hear more about the business. But I'm like, if someone's tuning into a show to hear about health and fitness, they might not want to hear about profit and loss and Mm -hmm. marketing and sales. I'm like, we need a whole show dedicated to that. So we started a third show called In the Black. Uh, I think when we started it, we weren't in the black. So it was maybe a bit of inspiration for us. And that's all about um, entrepreneurship in the fitness industry space. So we talk about all the stuff we talked about today, running gyms, profit margins, marketing ideas, hiring people, leadership, all those sorts of topics. Oh, that's so cool. So you have different shows for very for different niches yes. of your industry. Yeah. And they all pretty much get the same amount of downloads, which is always interesting. And you're also sharing listeners, I guess. So yeah. one picks up a listener, it's probably going to find the other show. And Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's all in the same feed. It's all the Mind Muscle Project. They just okay. have different names each week. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like Joe Rogan has Fire Companion. Yes. The MMA yeah, show. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Yeah. Oh, like we that. actually have something similar. We've got Cub Team at the moment. Yeah, yeah. It's like, We've had the like team that. episodes. Do you it's know like they that. get the highest listening? 
Oh, really? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Well, no, I guess not we're the sort highest, of but the like they're, they're consistently very high. Cubs, Cubs fitness team. That's us. Yeah, that, that is you. <laughs> you literally train. You know, no, we're, we're part of the training team. after yeah, club now. Contractors, but yeah. yeah. Have you, you guys would have got a, a fair bit of business from the club, no? Yeah, I was telling, I was speaking to Calvin about it the other day. I think we might. I don't know what the record is. I don't. I definitely won't be the most revenue that we've ever generated, but number of clients potentially. I think we're at like twelve or thirteen clients. That's pretty cool. Yeah, in less than in. In a very short amount of yeah, time. Yeah, six months. Yeah, Five, six months. Quick. Yeah. I guess because no one's ever really come into Cub and owned that space. You know, only, Yeah, the only person the in the fitness industry. Yeah, I mean, it's not – fitness people don't think to join business clubs, mm-hmm. you know. It's just like not really where they get clients. Yeah. But it's our niche. I think that's what's different. Like we need more people that are like, you know, business owners from club. And so what club. are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned in podcasting? Well, number one, what Lockie said was that people are keen to hear from us. You know, which is exactly what you said about the team. You said your team episodes get the most downloads. Mm-hmm. It's not like you pulling in, you know, the, the the biggest name in the clubhouse to be on the show is always going to be the most popular. We always thought at the start, oh, if we just get this person on the show, like it's going to explode. And in the start, we would like get pretty big names on the show. It didn't really make that much difference. You know, it didn't really get that many more downloads than any of the other shows we had. The only thing that really drove it up was just, yeah, the show's getting better over time. What did drive it up? Yeah. It was really just better quality content over time. You pick up a little bit each time you get a guest on, but more people just wanted to hear from us. They were like, oh, I know that podcast's good. They get good guests and I like want to hear from the boys. Yeah. Because, you know, I agree with that. Because when you get used to listening to a podcast to speak, you get used to their voice. And when you get used to their voice, you want to keep hearing their – I keep using Joe Rogan because he's actually the only other yeah. podcast I listen to. <laughs> but I listen to it while I cook. But – I actually enjoy his voice. Yeah, it's like yeah. soothing after a while. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I know. It's familiar. Like, yeah, like yeah. you trust him. It's the same way I tell people like a recent example was Matthew McConaughey brought out a book, went on a press tour, right? But his press tour was podcasts. So he went on Tim Ferriss, he went on Rich Roller, he went on Joe Rogan. He's basically going to say the same, more or less the same shit. But why do you choose where, like you're not going to listen to all three unless you're obsessed with Matthew McConaughey, right? But you're going to choose one of them. And how do you choose? You choose based off the host, based off how they talk and their question style. Do you want the analytical Lots of questions, well thought out, well prepped Tim Ferriss. Or do you want free-flowing Joe Rogan? You know, or do you want more health and fitness space? You want Rich Roll? You know, it just depends. And it, that should tell you that it's based off the host. And actually a Cub member reached out to me and we had a quick phone call. He's trying to grow a podcast as well. And he's like, what's the best advice you have? And I said, people think that they have to get big guests on. They think that's how they're going to grow the podcast. They think they have to throw tons of money into marketing and get it out on Instagram. But at the end of the day, your how you talk as the host, how you pace your words, how you keep the conversation flowing, how you use questions strategically, how you get, how you share your story, how you connect with people. That's ultimately your delivery. And if you don't deliver well, people aren't going to stay. Just like if we don't deliver a good service at the gym, we can have all the great marketing, we can have a clean gym, et cetera, et cetera. But if we're not delivering well, if we're not getting results for people, they're not going to stick around and listen, which is why there's lots of great information on podcasts, but just delivered in just such a boring fashion that no one's ever going to hear from them. So so really having a structure to the episode is crucial. I crucial. agree with that and it's a lesson I learned. Um, people are keen to hear from you and yeah. almost you should remember that you should be the highlight of the show in a sense. You are. Yeah, no, you, you are. There you are. Yeah. There, there you go. Yeah. Um, having more shows for different niches of what you do. So, for example, we could have uh, like Calvin could have a show that focuses on a particular part of business. Yeah. Anthony or, or Laura could have a show. That focus- yeah. And and so you can you, you can have different episodes that specialize in different things and quality. That's You're going to get better at doing what you do and that and, and you get better at it and that's what's going to drive more listeners and more people to speak about you. And, and that's definitely something I, I, I learned 
if you want to figure out the annoying shit you do when you speak, <laughs> start a podcast. Because when I first started, I sat there for the like, if I listened to all the first episodes uh, a lot, and you're just like, God, that's so annoying. Like, <laughs> you you actually pick up things about yourself that you're like, that's rude. Not only is it Tell annoying, me. it's actually kind of rude. Like, and and then you start realizing that's how you communicate, and you need to calm the. <laughs> down because that's not not people aren't going to like if you communicate like that and, and I actually learned a lot about myself listening to myself in conversation and and what you said about structure um if you don't have a structure I know for me and I still do it even with a even with structure but you want to talk about a point and because you're in it, like a certain point so let's say we're talking about podcasting structure and then because you are in conversation you might bring up camera equipment and then I started talking about camera equipment and a story that, you know, I broke a camera in a crocodile in yeah. Australia. Oh, you went to Australia? You went to the Outback too? What did you do? I went. I was on a plane and then and then I hung out of a parachute and I flew down yeah. to the Amazon. Then I was in Africa and then you just keep going on and on. And then you realize, fuck, what were we even talking about? Yeah. We're supposed to be, you know, having, that's why I'm always writing the notes. Right. Half the time, it's not like a note or anything. It's, look, I wrote structure, like all the points I'm right because I know when the conversation's going. Okay, look back at that and ask another question based on that topic point. Yeah, yeah. And what what you're doing there is like what we just try and do, which is, okay, what we're talking about now doesn't need a follow up question. Is it interesting, or am I going to get out of this flow and into the next flow, which is the main kind of points that we want to talk about? Because everyone comes into it has a few main things. You know, we have gyms, we have health and fitness, and we have podcasting, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know you want to touch those three areas. You just learn as a podcaster and the art of interviewing is what we like to call it is which which of these rabbit holes should I go down and which should I not go down? Because some are interesting to go down and some are relevant and some are not. And that just takes practice. That's just, well, how many interviews at this point? 350, nearly 400 interviews. It's a lot of interviews. And you start to, you just through practice and experience and talking to people, you start to know over time, even by their body language, it's harder over Zoom, but you go, okay, this is not a rabbit hole to go down. They're not interested by this rabbit hole or like all they are. Or one thing that you you will find as well is there's maybe something that you really want to know about. So maybe I know for you, it's you want to know about how much money our podcast makes, for example, right? Because you're business minded. And so if I no, knew I'm that- just a nosy mother. <laughs> Super nosy. But it's interesting to you, right? Yeah. In the same way that we know maybe there's a potential guest coming on and he, he's had a controversial thing with steroids. Maybe he's gotten banned in steroids. And we know, okay, he doesn't really want to talk about it. But how can we craftily- move the conversation in a way so that it organically comes out of conversation in a way that was pre-planned. And that I think is where you get the magic of an interview where they start talking about things in a way that they didn't feel was forced that you feel like it's really interesting to your audience. And so that's just skills and stuff that you pick up over time. Uh, I agree. One thing I always like to think too when I'm talking to a guest is, am I actually getting value from this part of the conversation? Because if I feel like I'm not getting value from this part of the guy, I feel like I'm almost the ideal demographic for this podcast to mm-hmm. be listening. Yeah. So if I'm not getting value from this conversation or this part of the conversation, I know, okay, I'm going to move on. I'm going to I'm going to try and divert because if I'm not getting value, I don't think the listeners are. And it's either entertaining, like it's a quick, uh, quick giggle, yep. or it's, okay, am I by listening to this able to relate to that and, and in turn implement something or – or acknowledge something that's happening in my business that makes me stronger. Yeah. And so really should always just be thinking, am I bringing value to, to, to the listener? Yeah. Um, on that note, since you 
did our three points of thing, Jim's <laughs> podcasting. Let's move to the third point, health. <laughs> now um, I have attended one of your cup conversations where you did teach many members about, I think it was on sleep, that sleep, particular yeah. conversation. Yeah. Uh, sleep something I want to talk about. But why don't we um, um, why don't we maybe share uh, a, f- a few – why don't you give, give me some of your knowledge on, on health, some things that everyone can do to, to implement sleep, whatever. I, by the way, I hope people don't lose respect for me about that rant I went on about the outback in Australia then being in Africa <laughs> and the crocodile in my phone. I don't know what I was talking about. <laughs> I really didn't. But I followed. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, well, if you missed the sleep, I assume most people did, is the way we view sleep, which maybe – different to other people and we try and get it across it's just hey sleep is the, the the foundation so sleep comes before training and it becomes before nutrition whereas i think most people in the past have said hey i need to get my training nutrition in order you know and then when i'm training hard and i'm tired maybe i'll think about sleep if ever but we try and take it back and say hey sleep is first that's because when you sleep well you get so much more out of the nutrition and you get so much more out of the training and if you don't sleep well you get almost nothing out of those two so what's the point of even working on them before the sleep so, and I mean, with the type of people we work with, sleep is always a thing, right? Because they're in business and, you know, you can always do something instead of sleeping. So just getting that through people's heads that the more you sleep and the better quality you sleep, just go advance every other area. And that is like, that is day one. That's where you begin. So like this morning, I didn't sleep very well last night. I haven't slept well the past three nights. This morning, I still woke up and went to the gym. Really what I should have done is I should have got an extra hour or two of sleep. Yeah, maybe. It's, it's not always exactly like that. Like, hey, if you haven't slept well, you don't go to the gym. I'm not saying like, hey, you got to be soft. And it's not a perfect night's sleep. You know, don't do anything else no, in no, your day. But, oh, I probably slept four and a half hours. Yeah, but I mean, that is, it's, <laughs> it's compromising you for the day. You're doing a great job despite that. <laughs> yeah. But it's a long-term thing. It's a long-term attitude towards sleep. That, hey, you should be, you know, living out your day to set up a great night's sleep because that sets up the next day. Yes. And there's a whole bunch of things you can do in a day that are going to improve your sleep and a whole bunch of things you can do in a day that are going to take away from your sleep. And we're just trying to get people to do more of the things that are going to support their sleep. Okay. I want to talk about things that are going to improve your sleep. But to your point, isn't that counterproductive? Like if sleep is the base, it's the most important thing, then I should not technically, I should opt in to go for the extra sleep rather than go to the gym, no? Probably. But, you know, we we get into the science of it and there's a lot on sleep timing and trying to keep a, you know, uh, clear rhythm. It's not like you can just go to bed at 4 a.m. and sleep in, still get your eight hours and think everything's going to be perfect. You know, there's there's more to it than that. And we try and get people sleeping on a very consistent schedule. Mm-hmm. And if they're having trouble with the quality, which sounds like you're having trouble, we want to go back and say, hey, why are you having trouble with the quality? Yeah. Why do you need to sleep in every day is to catch up the poor quality that you had during the night. You should be sleeping in the night. Yeah. Well, yeah. I never sleep in just for the record. <laughs> yeah. But, but so why don't you give us some things on uh, how to have a better quality sleep? You, Lucky, you hosted that. Yeah, yeah, I did. It was called Sleep for High Performance, but I tried to bring some awareness to people around their sleeping habits. And what I've noticed a lot joining Cub, and I actually stood up and I think I gave a speech about this at the Cub Cub lunch. That's because you forced me to, but I was happy to give it anyway. Then you asked, what was the, what was the, what's the best thing Cub's given you so far? And I said, it's given me a network of friends and people outside of my industry. And what I've noticed, or a lot of the industries outside of my industry, s- sleeping more has a stigma to it. It's like you're soft, you're weak. What do you mean sleep? I remember I said to Steve Grace, who's been on the show, I said, um, I said something about a nap and he just burst out laughing. He goes, who takes naps? I agree. And I go, <laughs> what do you mean? I'm like a nap can completely regenerate your brain. It can you know, improve your physical performance, mental performance, memory consolidation, skill consolidation, fat burning, muscle building, whatever it is, a nap is incredible. And he just, kept, he just laughed, right? And it's because the corporate industry is, has built this 
culture of, of low sleep and that sleep is for the weak. And I think it feels like my mission to kind of reverse that. And I feel a lot of people that are in sleep and sleep science are trying to reverse that because not sleeping or, or less sleep is an epidemic and less sleep is less than seven hours a night. People think six hours is a good night. Six hours, you're technically sleep deprived. Six hours for me is fantastic. That's that's for yes. me was a. I feel I'm proud. I would give myself a trophy in the morning. <laughs> so, so you've got mild sleep deprivation if you're consistently hitting six hours, which means that, like Raf said, it's like driving a car with the tires slashed. Right, you can go forward, but you're compromised dramatically. You're going a lot slower, and it's a lot harder than it needs to be. And it's only till we get people sleeping consistently, seven, eight hours a night that they go, I cannot believe I used to sleep as little as I did because, I mean, McConaughey says it himself. He sleeps eight or nine hours a night because the most intelligent people know once you kind of see it, you can't unsee it, you know how important sleep is and you absolutely need it if you want optimal performance in the gym, in life, with memory, skill acquisition, fat burning, muscle building, body composition, just feeling less depressed, right? Feeling more excited about life, having more energy for things. All business owners, they want to get more done in less time. If you sleep better, you'll get more done in less time. You will. You'll be more productive in four hours. Rather than sitting there in front of the laptop trying to drink coffee to remember like how to send this email, you'll send it out in 20 seconds, not in five minutes. Do you want to have a laugh? <laughs> My dad used to say to me, just sleep two hours less. You'll have 25% more life than everybody else. You'll do 25% better <laughs> with your competition. It's very old school. Oh, that's old so school awesome. Zero science. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or maths. Just maths of the day. Yeah, yeah. Zero science. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so increasing the quality of your sleep, there's a few different factors. Uh, the, the biggest thing, like Raf said, is taking care of some stuff earlier in the day actually helps. And one of those big things is uh, your light environment. And the first thing that the earliest thing you can do in the day is getting sun. So one of the pieces of advice we have for people is get some morning sun because literally the, the, the sunlight, the rays of sunlight hitting your eyes is sending a hormonal signal to your brain to set a rhythm, which is most people know is called the circadian rhythm, which tells your body when to be awake and when to sleep. And that regulates all your hormones from the hormones that keep you awake from the hormones that put you to sleep. So if that rhythm's off, you're going to be getting hormones that are sending you to sleep at the wrong time and hormones that are waking you up at the wrong time, which is why people are like, I have all this energy at 2 a.m., because like, you have no circadian rhythm, it's all thrown off. But so, who, for example, who's not seeing sunlight in the morning? You'd be surprised. Heaps of people, right? They they wake up in their apartment and there's a direct sunlight into their eyes, right? So, yeah, let me let me use your, sun, let me use your example of this apartment, right? So you could go from this apartment, you go down into the lift, into your car, put sunglasses on, drive out. Okay, you still got the protection from your car and sunglasses. You could drive out. The sun still hasn't directly touched your skin. You drive into the cub car park, you go up into the building, you sit in the office all day, you get back in the car and you do that. You'd be surprised how many people do that for years and years and years on end. I share this story of a friend of ours who got diagnosed with leukemia. So they took her blood, um, they took uh, samples of you know different uh, you know bodily parts and anyway, they're like, we're pretty sure you have leukemia. So we put her in the cancer ward, blah, blah, blah. And they start as soon as you do, they start putting you on different, oh, okay, vitamin D is low, vitamin C is low, vitamin B is low. So they started infusing vitamins into her. Uh, and then they came back uh, a few hours later, all symptoms gone, no leukemia. How is that possible? It was a low vitamin D. She had not been in the sun, in direct contact with the sun because she's a workaholic. She, uh, I can't remember what pharmaceutical company she worked for. Same thing, down into the, she would tell me, down into the elevator, out into the car, up into the elevator, at work in the office, sun sets, it's at night. Every time she'd go out, it was very quickly to get a, a sandwich or a coffee. Usually it was in the building or it was at night. And at that time, the body doesn't know. And so she's 
artificial light all day, nonstop for, it was nearly like 11 or 12 years she counted up. She got diagnosed with leukemia. That is how bad your body needs the sun, that it's showing symptoms of cancer. Showing symptoms oh, of she cancer. Didn't actually she didn't have, have leukemia. leukemia. That's what it got diagnosed, had the same symptoms. That's how bad low vitamin D is, okay. is that your body shows up the same symptoms as if you had okay, leukemia. Okay, so stare at the sun in the morning. That's the yeah, simple get way to put get, it. Yeah. Get out of the sun. I just want to stress the importance of that. <laughs> I feel like. It is, yeah? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Stare Direct sunlight in the, in the morning. Yeah. I mean, don't like burn your eyeballs out, no, but just but walk just around sure in the sunlight. You get a good dose, make sure you look yeah. at the sun saying, it's just me and you today, man. <laughs> yeah. Let's do this. It's morning. Okay, what's next? Yeah, so again, the sun, I, I obviously what you put in your body is important. Alcohol, caffeine, manage that. We try and not be excessive with that. And then getting to bed at the right time, limiting screen time. So we use these things like blue, blue light blocking glasses, limits the amount of artificial light that gets in because uh, the, the blue light basically suppresses your melatonin, which is your sleep hormone. So it's very important to, to make sure that you're blocking artificial light at night. So you're, giving, you're maintaining the circadian rhythm and the hormones. Blue light is a TV light, phone light. Pretty anything much a, anything from a screen. Anything from a screen. I mean, there's blue light in the sun, but it comes with a whole spectrum of other lights. And what you're saying is that throws your body clock off. Way off. Well, you, you would never normally see blue light when the sun goes down. Okay, well, here's a, here's a question for you. I can only sleep with a TV on. If I turn it off, I'm screwed. I can't sleep. Yeah, so you've just gotten used to a really bad situation. Yeah, so you're, I would I would say basically what's happened is you've you've got a completely dysregulation of the correct hormones. You're not releasing the right amount of sleep hormones that you need because you should be falling asleep around like nine or ten o'clock naturally, right? And if and people are not doing that, their sleep hormones are off. That's as simple as it is. So you've just gotten to the point where you just get used to your body just gets used to it sending some kind of signal. Okay, I'm in bed now. Got the TV on. It's time to get sleepy, but it's very far from optimal. Okay, yeah, but the, the TV doesn't do that. I, I cover my eyes and put a pillow over my, my eyes. But what the TV does for me, which I know it does for a lot of people, a lot of members even, is that it gives you something to listen to and follow rather than think. Yes, white yeah. noise. Yeah, so because you're not thinking about things, you're following something. Eventually you follow and you follow and you follow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no, I think it, it can not. be good. I think what you're doing, if you're not, if you can avoid looking at the TV, it works pretty effectively. I remember once we had a sleep expert on the show and he was saying that, you know, if you look at social media and stuff like that before sleep, it generally disrupts your sleep quite a lot because mm. you're looking at people that you know and things that influence your life. You know, oh, what did this client do? Or what's my friend doing is going here on a holiday. But when you are on TV, it's got nothing to do with you. Like there is nothing on this TV show that's going to influence your life. So you much easier can just like switch off as long as you're not looking at it. Follow the journey. Yeah, it yeah. actually can be not bad for winding down. Yeah. As long as you're covering the light. The light is what you're saying is the big bad wolf. It's one yeah. of the low-hanging fruits, yeah, definitely. And another, some of the other low-hanging fruits as well is, um, you know, caffeine is a huge one. People drink caffeine way too late and they say, oh, I can drink coffee and go to bed. Same situation like listening to TV and going to bed. you just gotten used to a suboptimal situation. And I'm not speaking just like from my own experience here. I'm speaking from the research. And there's plenty of sleep research, thousands and thousands and thousands of papers on sleep. We know for a fact that this stuff is not good. Uh, alcohol can throw it into that bucket as well. People use alcohol to go. I don't sleep. To sleep. If I have one drink, that's it. No sleep. Yeah, you shouldn't. You should not use alcohol any anywhere close to your bedtime. Um, it's not to say like you can never drink, but you know if you're using it as a crutch every night to sleep, it's also not good. Um, and then probably the other thing that I think when you're in bed that makes a huge difference is uh, obviously like I mentioned, light. So making the room as dark as possible, and then also making sure the room is cold. Most people that have trouble, maybe not getting to sleep but staying asleep is because their room is too hot most likely. The optimal temperature for your room is 18 to 19 degrees. 
That is what the research said, Celsius. So if you can get your room nice and cold, very likely you'll stay asleep for a lot longer. Yeah, I agree with sleep that. A lot okay, what about this? I'm in bed. I'm watching the clock. I get there at eight because I'm going to like go for a four-hour journey to try to sleep. <laughs> okay, it's nine. Okay, I still got you know an hour to go to sleep. It's ten. Oh shit. Okay, well if I get to sleep before eleven, I'll be sweet. Oh shit, it's eleven. Oh, you know what? I don't want to push it tonight. I'm gonna go have half a sleeping pill, so that way I can get to sleep. Yeah, that happens to me sometimes. Is my sleep the same if I take half a sleeping pill? Same sleep or no? Much worse. Much much worse. Yeah, sleeping pills are uh, one of the most dangerous things that you can take. A lot of there's a lot of heart conditions that come out of sleeping pills. Uh, a lot of research that is. Very, very, it's it's very, it's warning against very strongly uh, the use of sleeping pills. For some reason, the scientific community is up there shaking their fists, going, "Look at the research. This is you cannot take these things. They are so dangerous for our health." Yet the big pharmaceutical companies that push them out there are like, "We're making too much money." So yeah, it about, makes life so much easier. How about you just be quiet? So if you're taking sleeping pills, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical person. Can't follow my advice, but. Uh, from what the research says, it's very, very bad for your health, especially mm. especially your heart. So be very careful there. Now, oh, for thanks, your yeah. <laughs> so for your situation, what I would say is, if you get in bed and you start going, "Shit, I can't sleep. Shit, I can't sleep. Shit, I can't sleep." The subconscious part of your of your brain, which is ninety five percent of everything that we do, is associating bed with this panic stress state of not being able to sleep. So one of the uh, yeah, that's true because I can fall asleep easier on the couch. One of the prescriptions that uh, sleep I'm a mess uh, to the listeners. So one one of the common prescriptions is uh, for people to sleep without drugs is they say, okay, I want you to stay uh, awake as long as you possibly can, and not until you absolutely dragging your feet about to pass out are you allowed to go to sleep in your bed. And so what that does is it helps to rebuild the association of your bed with sleep, which is why we say don't eat in bed, don't do work in bed because your brain, your subconscious brain is thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, this soft, wide, flat thing, we do all kinds of activities in here. Our brain does all sorts of different things here and that's why it, you find it really hard to sleep. I give people the example how, how powerful your subconscious brain is. Sometimes you don't need to pee but you walk into the bathroom and you just see the toilet and all of a sudden you're like, I need to pee. But you didn't me. have to pee before. That, that is, is your subconscious brain, right? Because every single time for you know, every point in your entire life that you see that thing, your body does one thing or two things, yeah. right? <laughs> and that's how powerful the subconscious brain is. The same, the same as the bedroom. Exactly. So you want your bed to only be associated with one or two things, mm -hmm. two things, right? So sleep I'm gonna start. Sex. I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to start using my guest room for the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go, right? Yeah. So when you jump in, your mind knows exactly what to do. Yeah. And that is basically what you're trying to retrain. And so I would say, yeah, if, you, if you're starting to train this insomnia pattern of like, I can't sleep, I can't sleep, it's stressful, it's stressful. Get out of bed, put on your blue light blocking glass or whatever you do, mm -hmm. watch TV, chill out, read a book, do something. Just don't think about sleep. Try and stay awake until you absolutely can barely hold your eyes open, then put yourself in bed. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, and that works really well. What other stuff can you teach us about health? Well, obviously the, the other big pillars are – Nutrition Actually, and training. You know, okay, so the three pillars are you, you say sleep. Well, the foundation is sleep. Nutrition. And then nutrition and um, training are the other pillars. And why didn't you walk me through? You said to me that you were going to give me an, a health audit or right. whatever it is. Why didn't you actually take us through what a health audit would be like, you know, what type of things you look at? Yeah, I mean, it, what we talked about in terms of sleep, that's the foundation, right? And some people don't have a problem with it. You just move on pretty quick, right? It's not like we have to get it 100%, like, 
best sleep in the world. It's, it's not really the goal. Once it's taken care of, it's taken care of. It's it's good. We can move on. If it's like you, it might be a, a decently long journey you yes. know, in, in improving it. And it's going to be the focus the whole time because it's the bottom of the foundation. Uh, we love to go to training next. The reason I think we love training next is because you know, training makes you feel amazing. You know, maybe if you eat like a healthy meal, you're like, oh, cool. I, I feel awesome. I had like this healthy meal. I didn't go to McDonald's today. But training is a different level. You know, you go into training, you feel like a beast. You, you accomplish something. Yeah. And you also get that hormone, that positive hormone in the fact that you accomplished something you probably didn't want to do. Yeah, yeah. It's like running through your blood, right? I feel like I can take on anything after this. So, so we love to do training next. Uh, and then, yeah, it's how we assess clients. So we want people, you know, we're not, we're not a machine gym. You don't walk into our gym, there's machines everywhere, just sitting on doing bicycles. We want to see people actually move. So we're trying to get people's hips working well, shoulders working well, the whole body moving well in, in a functional style of training so that if they leave our gym and they go do anything, you know, they might, might not be the best at it, but they're going to be pretty good at it. They're not going to get injured doing it. And that is a high level of physical fitness, you know, when you can move on from there. So that is what we're trying to take a look at next. And you would be surprised, you know, there's people that come in that maybe cycle seven, eight hours a week. But to us, they're very low down on the assessment because all they're good at doing is hunching over a bike and pedaling with their legs. Their the, the bodies aren't primed for life. No, they're broken. Yeah. 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 They do hate, almost nothing except cycling. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. which for most things is, is totally different. And then we take care of that. And then you go to nutrition. Same thing. We don't need people eating some crazy strict diet. It's not the goal of it. If they want to, you know, if they want to be healthy, you have to obviously eat healthy. And there's a certain, a certain limit of what you have to do. Then we'll recommend supplements or we'll recommend food they need to include. But if they're looking the way they want to look, we're happy to generally leave it at that point. If they're not happy with how they look, then we're going to adjust some things to get them to the point of where they're happy with where they want to look. So really listeners should sit down look at their sleep, look at their training schedule and look at their uh, diets and assess what am I actually doing and what is the result of that? How do I look and feel now? And then they should be saying, okay, if I want to improve, how can I improve on those three pillars? On the sleep, on the training and on the diet yep. or nutrition, sorry. Yep. And, and they should see a dramatic improvement if they focus on those three things and those are the three things you guys use in order to assess someone's health. Yeah, absolutely. And then within all those things, as we'll learn about tomorrow, I'm doing a nutrition talk for you guys, um, what, for the staff. It, it's for the team, yeah? For the team, yep. yeah, for the team. Just to give you an understanding of like what's important and what's not important. Um, and I think that applies to sleep, it applies to training, and it applies to nutrition. There are things that matter that make a huge difference that if we can conquer these things, then basically everything after that doesn't really matter. You're not going to notice that much of a change unless you're an elite athlete and you're trying to shave seconds off a time or you're trying to add a, you know one or two kilos to a lift. Most of those things don't really matter. We can get most people 90% of the way there with very few things. And that is actually one big problem with the fitness industry is the only thing people ever talk about are the tip of the spear, sexy things that make no difference. What's the best supplement to take? White rice or brown rice? You know, uh, chicken thighs, wet, or chicken breasts. Yeah, you know, um, you know, dumbbells or barbells. You know, stuff that just is inconsequential. It doesn't matter, but it's the only thing people ever want to talk about. And we say, well, look, let's just take it back to the boring, unsexy stuff, and that is where we're going to notice difference. Just like in business, right? People want to talk about, I don't know, some crazy like I don't know, marketing scheme funnel thing, and just really elaborate. Yeah, this automation software program thing. Yeah, okay, that's cool, but like foundational stuff. If your pitch sucks, you're not making a sale. Yeah. Or just, okay, how, what, what is the system for delivering, you know, our product or service to clients? Like what's just the basic stuff? How do we pay taxes on time? You know, how do you run a balance sheet? Just basic stuff like that. It's boring, but if you master it, you get most of the way there. Yeah. You need, what you're saying is you need the fundamentals. 
Yeah. They, they, they come first. So we only if, focus on Yeah, so if you dress your suit, if you dress your uh, sales team in sexy uh, suits and, and fashion and expect them because they look good, they're going to make a sale, and but their pitch sucks, yeah. they're not making a sale. No. And then if you teach them the best pitch in the world and they can speak and they're, they're, their words are beautiful and, and they're beautiful to look at because they dress good and they're good at good pitch, but the product itself sucks and doesn't serve its purpose for the client, well, then it's still not going to sell. Yeah. And the basis is the actual service or product that you're offering. Yeah. And, and that's what you guys do in gym terms, in, yeah. in health terms. You look at the fundamentals and, yes, you can build up from that, but it's the fundamentals that, that, that make the big difference. And that's what you educate your clients on. Yeah, and that's what experience has told us. Like you said, you cut heaps of crap out of cup this year that you didn't need because it wasn't focused on the main thing. Mm-hmm. So people ask for certain things at the gym, hey, can you give me this? Hey, can you give me that? And I said, I can give it to you, but it's going to make no difference to your goals. So instead, let's not worry about what supplements you're taking right now not worry about you know WPI 90 versus WPC 80 it makes no difference in the protein powders all I want you to do right now is just let's drink more water you know you don't drink any water through the day it's just coffee and diet coke let's start by drinking water just stuff like diet that coke. <laughs> and and what's your opinion on what's your opinion on um on supplements then yeah like uh, are they good are they useful do you encourage them do you not I think it depends. It just depends. If someone is is missing some key ingredient that they can probably only get from a supplement, it can make all the difference in the world. But most of the time for most people, it doesn't make that much of a difference. Well, I guess it comes back to your fundamentals point. If your fundamentals are off, supplements aren't going to work. If your fund- fundamentals are right, supplements will probably be a bolt-on, be yeah. an additional accessory. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And um, there was one thing I wanted to, to – to, oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about uh, Team Cub and what we do. Because I think to date, and I'm probably Laura's going to agree with me, one of the best things that we've done is that we've started this team training thing. We obviously did it because you guys are members and we do it, uh, thank God you are, because it's been incredible, the team doing it there. But I can't encourage enough for business owners to do team training for your team. Not only did they feel better, more confident about themselves and did work uh, make that happen for them, so they, they associate that, so they're, they're better, stronger people, but they bond more. And, and training, like I said, is like life and it's like business. It's hard. And they're getting used to doing tough sessions every week and they're getting easier and they're getting stronger and their minds are getting stronger. It's been one of the best things that we've done as a team. So I want to thank you guys for for hosting us and, and 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 doing that, and I just wanted to highlight that because I basically said to the team, "So guys, summer's coming. I want everyone looking mad for summer. We're gonna have a good summer. We had a hard year. We're gonna look mad for summer. We're gonna have a good time. We're gonna go to the beach. It's gonna be sick." And and everyone committed, didn't they, Laura? Everyone, she's nodding. If she hasn't got a mic, yeah, get her a mic. Why yeah, don't we have a mic? Committed. We can afford another yeah. mic. I don't know why we don't have one. Um, everyone's committed. And you can see the change that has happened in the team, can't you? Oh, like, dramatically. Yeah, you're, well, you're there more than you, Raf. Yeah. yeah. Well, first of all, we appreciate you guys showing up and obviously we appreciate you putting in effort because, um, you know, sometimes you can host these sessions and the effort's not there. Um, and our coaches always put in the effort, so we want it, we want it matched. Your um, coaches are all good. We love I them. haven't had a bad one. We love our team. Um, but, yeah, all I'll say to that is firstly, and I've spoken to this before with other gym owners, uh, sorry, other business owners at the gym, that also have corporate sessions there is they say, if you ever want to find out who your real team players are on your team who are dedicated, just put on a weekly gym session and see who shows up. He goes, those are the people that are your core team. And for you, obviously, because you have a smaller team like us, everyone shows up, right? But as you get to a bigger organization, 50, 60, 100 people, 
you put on a weekly training session or whatever, we have people like that that, you know, have 100, 150 employees and they put it on and only 10, 15 people show up. These are your, these are your key players. And we've spoken to these business owners before and they go, we agree. Who shows up to those sessions speaks a lot to us as the owners as to who is really here to work, who is really dedicated to the team because you're showing up to do some hard shit. It's going to be painful. It's going to suck. It's going to demand a lot from you. You're going to get uncomfortable. I want to see who shows up, who shies away and who is scared because that speaks to them how they're probably showing up at the office, how they're approaching deals, how they're trying to get stuff done, how they're approaching meetings, how they're talking to clients. And so they know really any business owner, if you want to find out who your best people are, start putting on some kind of hard, uncomfortable training session. You'll find out pretty quickly who's like, who are your best people very quickly. So that's the first thing I say. And then second thing is watching you guys train and put the effort in. What's your thoughts on Team Cup? Yeah, no, for more specifically for Team Cup, I think first of all, I think there's always an element within businesses where it's like I'm the boss. And so like you kind of have to do what I say in some ways. I think what's beautiful about doing a training session is now we're all on equal playing field. Everyone's got the same amount of reps in front of them. Everyone's got the same amount of work to do. Everyone's on the same level. And it's just like all it is now is just about pushing an effort. It's all about being in this together and getting you through it together. There's no like I can't tell you what to do or you can't tell me what to do or there's no stop start. It's just like, we're getting through this together no matter what. And it's good to see everyone kind of go through that journey. And yeah, we can. We know the stuff we give you guys is hard and we're looking around and we see the suffering, but you look to your left and you look to your right and you're there doing it with Laura and Laura looks to her right and Ant's there and um, the whole team's there. So I think going through that shared suffering together, uh, I think does incredible and a, things. A cool point you raised is that in business, you have same, the same end goals, but you have different functions, yes. different activities depending on your role. At the gym, you have the same goal, but you're doing the exact same function. Yeah. And that unity of function, uh, I, I'm sure, would, would promote some sort of um, bonding yeah. and belonging. More camaraderie. Yeah, more yeah, camaraderie. Definitely. I think that's really, anyway, I just thought that was something really cool we did this year. I wanted to stress that. I think all business, we're going to start doing it in Melbourne as well. Team Melbourne's like, hey, we want to get fit too. And why don't we wrap up? Before we do, I want to ask uh, one or two uh, kind of deep questions. Not really deep, but kind of deep. And that is, why do you love being in the fitness industry, in the health industry? That's the first question. I'll let you go. Yeah, I, we talked on this. We didn't really go into it earlier, which was just, the way we usually see it is that fitness is the starting point for a lot of people's personal development. So they get, you know, for us, it was like getting a handle on our health and fitness. And, you know, you see your body physically change in front of the mirror. And then it does give you the attitude of like, hey, what can I do next? And we've had a lot of members at the gym that have gone on to, you know, nothing to do with fitness, but just gone on to improve their life in some way outside of the gym. You know, that if I can get this fit inside the gym, I can't believe it. What else can I do? And I might be like, I just be stepping up the partner that they're in, like the romantic partner they're in. It might be stepping up their business in some way. Just a really good launching pad for people because it's so physical and you have so much control over it that we just love it because you see that in people's eyes and, and you see it in yourself as you go down the path. Yeah, I I actually don't think I have a choice here. Uh, and the reason I say that is because, you know, you everyone talks about values in your life, right? Family, money, business, fitness, health, whatever. And your number one value is always something that just happens uh, no matter how bad of a time you're going through in your life. And, you know, when I've gone through rough patches in my life, the only thing that always sticks around is training and looking after my health. Um, and I'd say that when, when I don't look after that and it very rarely happens, it's only ever a few days at a time, but, 
you know, if I don't eat well or get too busy with things, like something just doesn't feel right with me. Like I just don't feel like myself. And for whatever reason, how I've been conditioned in my family and the values of my family and I don't know how I've been brought up and how I've enjoyed sport, just health and fitness is just, just my number one value. It's never going to change. And it's always been that way. Um, and I just think that I want to help people. I'm not trying to change people's values to be health as number one, but if they can just get some piece of what I've experienced in my life, which I know has helped me so much more. Like I say to people all the time, I'd rather be broken fit than, you know, rich and fat. Um, so that is where we differ, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I'm that's, joking, I'm joking. That, that's just my value. That's how it is. I, I just, I'm just one of those people. No matter what, I will always. But if you're rich and fat, then you can just join locker room and you'll be. <laughs> and then you'll be, be exactly. Rich, See, this, that's a uh, easy. That's a salesman. <laughs> but so, so yours is very much. You're in the game. You love this game because you believe it is the fu- a fundamental block of personal development, and that people can build a whole lot of. They can build a lot of elements of their life. Yeah, fitness, transformative life experience. And yours is that, and you actually, it's, it's definitely true. You're not lying because you mentioned it earlier in the podcast which is that it is the one thing that you've always had control of. Even in your life, if you've had a bad time, you've, you've had control over your body and, and, and you've had control over your health. And, and it sounds like you, you, you want to share that, that, that kind of insight into life that, hey, you can also, in chaos, you can control something. You can control your health. Yeah. And, and, and that can give yourselves a sense of accomplishment. I think that's a great lesson. I think everyone should hear that too. Yeah. Um, awesome. And finally, what do you – the fi- final question – what do you believe that you sell? What is it that you sell? That's a good question. And we had to we had to think about it during COVID because we thought we sold gym and we had no gym for three months and we, we kept doing sales. Um, so it has been tough and we've fluctuated with this a lot of times. Hey, do we sell community? Do we sell the health and fitness goal that, you know, the people finally get to? I think probably where we're at the moment is we do sell a lot of things, but we mostly sell um, we teach people fitness and help them fall in love with fitness. So obviously coaching is a massive part of it. It's not the equipment, you know, it's not the music we play, but we try and teach people our love for fitness and help them have that love for them themselves. You know, so they can, if we see a member, you know, obviously we have lots of ex-members of the gym because we've been at it for a long time. Ideally, you would see a member in years from now and they're like, hey, I still love training. I still do heaps of stuff I learned with you guys because I just kept that love for fitness. I know how to do it. I enjoy it. In the same way, you, you know, you go skiing and then forever you don't have that coach anymore, but you can just, you love skiing. You know, you're looking forward to winter, you go to different countries and you ski and you're always good at skiing and you may do more challenging runs in the future and you've got that with you for the rest of your life. Ideally, we give that to someone with fitness. We've got that ourselves and we love it and we can pass it on. Yeah, you sell the love of fitness, which in turn is the love of yourself because you make yourself better, no? Yeah. Yeah. What, I, what I'd add to that is, is probably we, we help people get back their integrity with themselves. I find a lot of people at the point they come to us, which is a different point at which they come to fitness first, is a different point they come and get a PT or they do an F45 point. By the time they get to us, they've reached a point where they've lost a lot of integrity with themselves. And that just sounds the way of, oh, I'm going to get up at 6am this week and then I get up at 6am. I'm not going to drink any alcohol this week and they drink all the same alcohol. Okay, I'm going to go for a run tomorrow. They don't go for a run and they compound that over weeks and weeks and days and years and decades and they lose all integrity of themselves. They think, I can't do that. I always say I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm useless, right? We help people rebuild that integrity very slowly, piece by piece by going, you know, I just want you to do this one thing today. I want you to just show up once this week. They showed up once. Fuck, I haven't showed up once to the gym when I said I would in, 15 years, 20 years. 
And it's like they build that little bit of self-belief. and Those positive patterns. Right. And then that feeds into other stuff. Well, if I can do that, then I can probably do this. And we build back that integrity with their self. And no one wants to live with a mind that's telling them that they're a loser, that they can't do it, that they're probably not going to get that done. I can't do that. That's like a lot of self-talk that builds from just small things not getting done. So we help to kind of reverse that self-talk into I can do that, I and will well, do this. I mean you're both kind of saying the same thing. You're teaching people how to love themselves more, whether that be your body, your healthy fitness, whether it be the patterns and, and your ability to, to do things you don't want to do in order to achieve a goal. And and what I think is really cool, what you said, Raf, was that COVID made us think about what we sell because yeah. we didn't have gyms anymore. I love that because – I think when businesses got stuck and weren't able to serve the traditional way that they would serve whatever they sell, they had to think of how do I, how do I make money doing, selling my purpose, selling what we actually sell. You know what I mean? And you guys could do it in a different way. So you, could, you could still sell the love of yourself and fitness and you know, making yourself have better patterns and integrity, but you couldn't do it through the gym. In the old fashion, in the old form, you had to do it through a different medium or different mediums yep. that was innovating the gym space. And of course, I'm sure that was through the podcast and things as well. Yeah. And so, so long as you know what you actually sell, even if someone came, if the T Rex came through and ate your gym, <laughs> or something more realistic like a <laughs> pandemic <laughs> came through and smashed, you know, or whatever business you're in, if you, if you could not do what you do the way you do it, if you know what you sell, then you're able to find something, another way to do it. It's about that awareness. Anyway, we're going to finish the show there. Yeah. <laughs> Thank it's you awesome. both for coming on. Did you have fun? Was my podcast all, awesome. all right? No, yeah, it, was, it was a good time. I like these mics. Yeah, yeah they're I pretty like cool. Setup. Yeah, yeah, it's good. We copied good. someone. They're yeah. pretty cool. That's um, no, awesome. Um, guys, thank you so much. Thank you for all the uh, – thank you for the way you've impacted uh, my life, the team's life, because uh, as you know – um, the team you've you, you, you've really changed. You, you've changed physically, mentally, and even you've brought us closer together as a team. And we're a team that was already very close. Um, and so I just want to thank you. Thank you for being incredible members. And actually, uh, can you tell people how, how can they reach out to you? Uh, how can they find your podcast? How can they find the website? How can they reach out to you to join the gyms and things? Yeah. So we mentioned uh, mentioned a few things. Obviously, Creature Fitness, where we deliver all our training services at the moment. You guys use it. Um, where are they? One's in Rush Cutters, one's in Bondi. Yes, correct. Yep. Bondi Junction. Yep. Um, so yeah, you can reach out on Creature Fitness. There's only one Creature Fitness, Instagram, Facebook, website, whatever you want. Uh, obviously Locker Room, that might have piqued some people's interests. Uh, that is probably a conversation we'll take um, in, in private uh, just because we're kind of doing um, early, I guess, pre-sales for the gym. Uh, so there's a short list at the moment. Um, so again, if you just connect with us through Creature, we can obviously get connected there or you can just find one of us on, on LinkedIn or um, on the website. And then uh, for the podcast, obviously everyone listening to this likes podcasts. If you want a podcast that is what we talked about today on the show, it's The Mind Muscle Project, wherever you get podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, you can find it there. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed the show.